this was a very fun way to do the tarot. Uh, I appreciate you laying all the cards out for me. Oh, thanks, man. It's turning nice. over the <laughs> turning over the the Knight of Pentacles. Pentacles? Is that, is that Pentacles? Wrong? I don't know. This is this is the debate that rages in this podcast, man. You can say however you want it. And I'll go Pentacles because Rob Allen says so. So that that's all I need to know. And if I turn my phone upside down, then then we're in trouble. But I'm not doing that for you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, to, to read out the card. Um, so it says this card could represent a person you know or will encounter or some aspect of yourself that is present or to call upon now. The Knight of Pentacles is a cautious, slow-moving, dependable person. He is very careful about everything he does and sometimes gets so caught up in the details that progress is halted. Um, the progress he does make, however, is sturdy and long-lasting. He is a loyal and reliable friend. He may sometimes be boring or stubborn, but he gives well thought out and practical advice. He can be controlling and may value principles and rules over all else. He values comfort and security and loves luxury. It's all those Bali Louis Vuitton bags, that's for sure. <laughs> he's able to take what he's learned from academic studies and past experiences and use it in very practical ways. Knight of Pentacles. That sounds a lot like you. Do you think, does that ring true when you read that a little bit? You kind of like, it's, it's all very flattering. So you're like, yeah, I am great, is it? Yeah, no, look, it, it's very flattering. And I, I think it, like, I can read it as it pertains to myself. Um, but I, it doesn't need to be egomaniacal, you know. I, I think there's, you know, people that do know me could probably see the comparisons. And I, you know, I take it very humbly, you know. I think that's, there's some cool things in there. Very, very practical and very applicable to, you know, the way you know me as well. I do. I know you pretty well. Uh, and I think listeners are going to know you pretty well by the end of this episode. Welcome to Fucky Tarot Lady episode 30. My guest today is the long-awaited Dwayne Jackson. You've been one of the people on my list since the get-go, man. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, well, it's good, to, it's good to speak to you in this format once again. I mean, you know, I was on Cape Solomon um, and being long-awaited, it was also part of my plan because I didn't want to come onto this show too early considering all your early episodes seem to be all about my band so <laughs> I, I didn't want it to you know just bore everyone it's like oh god who is this band there's been a few dude? episodes where it does feel like it's the true believer companion podcast which i'm fine with you know it's just it's... yeah oh well, i'm fine with that too you know it's it's all up here i mean you've been pretty important to us as a band anyway so it makes sense that you know, that's important topics to you and your creative mind at the time. So very much so. You know, yeah. had stuff to t- you've had stuff to talk about. That's exactly right. You've got to write or podcast what you know. And if that happens to be working with True Believer on stuff, then that's what the podcast is going to be about that week, you know? I like it. Exactly. Take Joe Rogan. It's just DMT and HGH and just having a massive head. <laughs> yeah, that's having a massive head. <laughs> yeah. Dude, have you seen like early early UFC footage of him like as a, a ringside announcer where he's got hair? His head's normal. Oh, like Fear <laughs> his head's Factor not Rogan. normal. Ain't it? Yeah, like where he's just got yeah like... Fear Factor Rogan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is his head normal yeah. size? Not him now. How does the head get bigger? Like, is the neck just getting thicker, or is like he just growing head size? Uh, his, his head's his head looks thicker. Like, 
that's a lot of a lot of HGH, I reckon. <laughs> no. I really want to see a lot some conspiracies, hard. you know, like that one that uh, Keanu Reeves has been like a mortal and is on all those like old paintings and stuff. Maybe there's like a Rogan thing we can compare his head size and people could prove it's oh, getting bigger. Definitely, definitely. He would have been like samurai or something back in the day, Viking. Imagine Rogan with a big red beard. Wow. <laughs> Anywho, He'd be... I, I digress. <laughs> He'd be formidable on the battlefield for sure. That's, that's the <laughs> hey, what have you seen him kick a heavy bag? Jesus. Yes, it's psycho. Um, I, I saw like exactly. a footage of him like covered in the tattoos, being all real tough, and I was like, oh shit, he's like not, you know, like he talks about it a lot, but he's uh, he can back it up for sure. <laughs> like, don't get well. That's it. Um, no, no, I, I would not. You know, the dude talks the talk and walks the walk. So, you know, I would I like to think we all do that as guests on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just giving the best self for sure. Um, yeah, let's the, run the through a couple of fake self. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, best fakes like your Instagram account. Um, I was going to say we're, we're essentially influencers. Yeah, we just show you the best versions of ourselves with the best filters. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do, man. Anyhow. We, we do like to do that. Let's um, let's start with some lightning round opener questions. Dwayne Jackson, when you Lovely. were around the house as a kid uh, and you didn't have control of the music, what music was playing? Look, I didn't come from a very musical household in the sense that, you know, my parents didn't directly influence me. Um, like, I think as an early age, like I played keyboard and piano before I played bass and my love of that came from a family friend. You know, I, I don't really have good memories of myself as a child. I was just dark and put away. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, look, I, I played keyboard and piano first and and I kind of got into doing that when I was a bit younger, everything else was just what was on radio, basically, whatever my parents were playing. It's on radio or in the car, you know, nothing specific, unfortunately. Right. So, so you said the family friend got you kind of involved with music. How did that happen? Look, I just remember being at a, a party and maybe we can use this as the lightning round question at the end of one of my earliest childhood memories. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stop jumping ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but no, it's not really, but um, it was just, I just remember being at like a, family dinner party and and a family friend had a keyboard there and he was playing and you know my memories whether it be direct memories or being told that's what I did at the time I was pretty much beside him watching him play and I seemed fascinated so you know I I think I got a keyboard in like I don't know I was young I was really young so I played you know keyboard and into piano for four or five years before having a couple of years break and then picking up a bass so you know I'm not good with the timeline but I was young I was wow. definitely young Amazing. Um, what was your best, like you, you're always a social media guy. You've always been around, you know, like I feel like you would have had a pretty good MSN screen name or MySpace name. Yeah. I, I was big on the, the visual of having all lowercase and all words joined as one. Oh, so yeah. I was from that ilk, you know, so, <laughs> so say if it was like a death metal song title and it would be just like, I killed 15 kids and then, destroyed all their bodies and it'd be all as one word. <laughs> but I feel like I had an aborted song title in there one time. I had definitely had Cannibal Corpse in there, but the, you know, they're two of the ones that stood out, but I just know I was always big on that visual. Oh, the Skin, all, the all, just yeah. cram it all together. That's it. That was but that all lowercase. <laughs> yeah, of course. All lowercase. Was there yeah. a full stop at the end or no full stop? Is there punctuation when you cram all the words together? Uh, no full stop at the end. <laughs> Keep it clean. 
No time for full stops, mate. Uh, what's your worst tattoo? Do you have a Do you have a tattoo you regret at all? Uh, I have some I have some silly tattoos. Oh, my my best worst one is uh, a hammered shark that says "Stop Hammer Time" around it. So <laughs> that was good. I have, I have another really bad one, but I'm not going to put that on out there for all the listeners to pick me apart with. So I'll leave that at that. <laughs> just deal with the just deal with the MC Hammer Shark. I like it. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, so you mentioned your first instrument uh, when you when you picked that up, but tell us about uh, the first CD you purchased with your own money. Do you remember what that was? Yeah, I do actually. I I remember one of two. Um, one was like a hundred percent hits kind of thing, but the other one was the Space Jam soundtrack. Sick. So, um, so that was it, you know that you know I still love all those songs on that that disc that's an absolute fucking banger um but then like my first alternative my first alternative of music was presence of the usa um, oh yeah and um offspring offspring gets brought up a lot on this show when when this question gets asked now it's crazy how much of an influence those dudes had on everyone you know like that was massive yeah, and I feel like, you know, there was a big, in our era growing up, there's a big segregation between people that grew up listening to punk and grew up listening to new metal from my era at least. And I feel like Offspring was a big stepping stone for either genre. But then it, once you got into new metal, you kind of disowned Offspring. It was like it didn't exist. But like deep down, it's like, you know, I still love heaps like Smash and, you know, all that kind of era is still awesome, still stands the test of time. Hell yeah, man. Um uh, what was my next question? Uh, Metallica or Megadeth? Megadeth. Oh, there it is. There it is. I, I did that just, I, no, I, I, I totally did that just for you. Let's <laughs> no, it's Metallica. I mean, you know, I look like Kirk Hammett, so fucking whatever. <laughs> <laughs> is that enough for you? It's like, I look like one of the dudes. In yeah, that's, that's enough. No, but look, look, in terms of like, Musically, like I had way more of Metallica influence growing up. Um, I also like Megadeth and there's, you know, some epic Megadeth songs. It's just, especially now it's like learning and working in and around Dave Mustaine before. It's like, I don't really have time for him. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm not going to go into that because it's like, there's obviously a confidentiality when you work at a festival around artists. Um, but yeah, just some things I, I wasn't too fond of. So we'll leave it right, at that. There you go. How's it? This is fun. This feels like the, have you ever listened to Jamie Jaster's podcast where he's always like, Hey, I've got some big scoops about some guy, but we won't talk about it on the podcast. We'll talk about it after. And you're like, no, talk about it now. Yeah, I know. No, I actually haven't listened to his podcast, but you know what? I, fuck up. What I love about him, he's still like as successful as he, he's still such a fan. And isn't that cool? Like, you know, he's been into metal and hardcore and punk his whole life and he's toured the world and sold millions of records and he still fans out like, Oh dude, that's exactly. so cool. And it's the, it's the people like him that start the podcast and then go, Oh fuck, we can start podcasts. You know, we can talk to people. We can talk to musicians as well. They don't have to be like just a level, you know, you don't have to be talking to Corey Taylor or something, but you know, like, I think, I think that might've probably been one of the seeds to the beginning of this whole thing. You know, people like that doing, music interview podcast which is kind of cool but i do hold oh, the grudge 100%. one time i think he was talking like brett hines from mastodon they were telling some story and he's like oh I'll tell you off mic and i'm like no don't tell him off mic like i want to fucking know. Uh, yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly um favorite music video do you have a favorite music video that stands out in your mind well the one that stands out in my mind would be corn's freak on a leash yeah that video is amazing and it was like 
I'm not sure if it was that or got the life, but it was like that year of corn made me pick up a bass. So that's without corn, I would not play bass. No, simple sh- as that. So it was Fieldy's slapping of that bass that made you go, man, I want to do that. I want to be Fieldy. Yeah, dude. I just thought it like it was red TV. So it was before Channel V. It was red. And I remember seeing corn and going, fuck, <laughs> I want to do that. You know, I want to be, I want to wear pants that massive. I want to wear Adidas shoes that sick. My drip needs to be fucking on point and I need to get a stained oil wooden five string bass and play it directly upright. <laughs> scoop, the mid, scoop that mid out and just sound like a fucking percussion instrument and just wear my beanie over my eyes. It's like, Listeners, uh, you, know you can't see the video component of Dwayne really fielding out on that air bass, but it was quite fascinating to watch well in the background where you can see a couple of bases yeah the my first five string i bought it's i bought it it's like there was a model below the fieldy signature i, I saved up with all my pennies and and bought that so Holy that was my shit. pride pride joy for ages yeah can you still slap along? can you sl- slap along to corn still these days no no i was never really good at slap to be fair but i'm sure i could I'm sure I can wing it and make it look good. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good, man. Now, um, what yeah. about west, worst gig, best gig, either played or been to? Now, you've probably seen more gigs than I could imagine. Is there any standout in your mind, either ones you've played or ones you've worked on or ones you've been to? Yeah, look, I've been around a lot of gigs, not to sound arrogant, but I've been around a lot of gigs. But, um <sighs> maybe played. I remember like my first band we played, like I'm from Bendigo and we played um, a bar in Bendigo a hotel. And so not the it, Bendigo hotel to for listeners, no, a hotel from in Bendigo. Hotel in Bendigo. Um, and it was just, you know, there was like the local junkie was in there. There was like, you know, mics that had never been repaired, just horrible gear. You know, stands that didn't even hold up. They just fell down. It was just tiny. It still smelled like piss. It was just, I just remember it being really horrible, but I don't re- really remember exactly the details. But, um, I mean, we also played like Electric Donald, but played at the Spotswood Hotel, I think, that also doubled as a strip bar. So I remember us, we played on the, st- on the stage that the girls danced on. So... Knowing me, I definitely did a did a spin around the pole mid set. <laughs> I was just about to say, were the still poles there? <laughs> were they still there while you were uh, playing on the stage? The pole, pole, pole was definitely on stage. I can still I can still smell the the sparkle sparkle body lotion and um, cocoa butter like it so, was yesterday. So was that the best gig or was that the worst gig because you got to play on a stage? Is that the best hey, one? Little from column A, little from column B, my friend. Sounds great, man. I would de- I I. I worked on a video once that was like a pole dance instructional video. And after watching the girls do all like the routines and filming it all and getting it all locked off, it was like, all right, now we're going to have a crack on those poles. And it's fucking way harder than I ever thought it would be. Like I was really confident. I'm like, I'll be able to do this. And it's like, man, the upper body strength is unbelievable. Oh, mate. Like anyone that can dance on a pole is a great athlete. Like there's, there's no two ways about it. Like you got to train hard to do that. You know, it's like any, like it's a physical strenuous hard activity. It's like people can have no respect of it because of the way they have like their views. But ultimately when you, if you, I'm sure if you tested them in an athletic environment, 
you know, people that dance are, are phenomenal athletes. Yeah. Oh my God. It's unbelievable. This start, this is starting to feel a little bit rogany already. We're talking about athleticism, you know, in weird places. We can talk about, we can talk about MMA if you want as well. You're a big MMA guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I am surprisingly for a dude that weighs like 65 kilos. Uh, like I, <laughs> like I trained jujitsu for five years. So, um, you know, it's a, it was a big part of my life. I've haven't, haven't really done it as much over the last couple of years for you know, just with travel and, and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, I still, I still love it. And I still love the sport. You know, it, it's kind of, it's moving very fast. It's very highly evolving sport. And I think, you know, you get, I was actually talking to someone about this the other night. I think feel like it's a sport that, the experience and the people that are at the top of the game are being caught up to by the young really fast because it's developing so fast. So, um, you know, like any fast developing sport, I think it's probably got a few more years into it before it plateaus in a way where everyone's peaked out. And then from there, it really is about experience. So from now you're seeing like young people beat champions purely by how fast they're developing. People aren't growing up learning one code. They're learning everything at once. Therefore, they're applying that all together. Whereas you've got older experienced champions that come from a background of, say, kickboxing, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, whatever, and that's still their core and they learn everything around it. But you've got kids that are 12 now and instead of learning karate at a gym or taekwondo, they're learning MMA. So if you're 12 years old and you're learning how to grapple and strike, you're learning everything together. So that's pretty awesome. That's a wild thought that like some 12 year old kid right now could be like the world champion or something, you know, like what's, what's the, what do you, what's the belt sizes in UFC? Is it like wrestling? Do they have like, you know, different classes and stuff intercontinental? Yeah, it's based on weight. Yeah. Yeah. It's all based on weight, <laughs> based on weight. So, you know, 12 year old, they'd be in the, uh, I don't know. I don't think there's even a weight class for, you know, 30 kilos. <laughs> God, let's hope anyway. Awesome dude. Um, <clears throat> Well, let's get a little bit more into your origins now because you're, uh, you mentioned you're from Bendigo and you got into new metal because you love fieldy and you wanted to play new metal. Like tell, <laughs> t- tell us, let's, I, what I want to sink into is the new metal aspect of this podcast. So the YouTube playlist can be full of ridiculous bands. Um, so what were you listening to back then? This, what was this channel red? Yeah, thing? So was that on, was that on Foxtel? Yeah. So red was V before V. Right. I'm pretty sure. Um, and but then that they changed the name and and kept the same programming but i'm pretty sure it was red before v uh, but that might have been an all-star thing me being a country boy so it was all-star before foxdale <laughs> so um but yeah look uh what's follow the leader not record you know that was that was quintessential new metal growing up hell yeah you know limp Bizkit, the first limp Bizkit record with faith on it counterfeit um you know that that kind of stuff like godsmack Early days for me, Godsmack, Taproot, System of the Down, Spine Shank, oh, El Nino. <laughs> El Nino, yeah. <laughs> you can't say El Nino without Soulfly, though, because didn't they just pave the way for El Nino to exist? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, they've all shared shared members and crossings over. So, oh, really? Are there that, shared look, that was between Soulfly and El Nino? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure right when my yoga. The drummer, I'm pretty sure he's been in both. I think uh, one of the guitarists has done both, Mark Rizzo, um, who's like you look at him back in the day and he looks so new metal, but you look at him now and he looks like, you know, bald, like shaved head, beefcake, 
you know, looks like he's a brutal, brutal dude. I think it's Mark. Anywho, um, you can fact check that, listeners. I'm, I'm not here to fact check. <laughs> Where's your producer? Where's Mel? She's at <laughs> work at the it. moment. <laughs> oh, there she we, go. Can, we can laugh about it when she listens back after before we put it out. Um, so, yeah, exactly. So you're into all that kind of awesome turn of the century new metal stuff. This would have been the early 2000s, I assume, right? Late 90s, early 2000s? Yeah, yeah, around that era. And, you know, for me, it was like, you know, I picked up playing bass because of corn, started learning, I wanted to put a band together. So um, I had a couple of friends from high school. Um, well, one one dude that I, that I met because of similar music tastes. Um, and then we hooked up to, you know, form a band. He knew a drummer and then we needed a vocalist. And I actually had a friend uh, who put me on to a dude from Melbourne. So I was, he, he ended up um, auditioning down the phone to us and then joined us that way. So uh, I was cool. It was basically like, it was, it was wild because we, we, and my friend Maya, she knew that I was into these certain bands and we were trying to do this kind of stuff. And so she lived in Sunbury. We were in Bendigo and she put us onto a singer from Cranbourne. Um, his name's Lyndon, who sings in a band called Idiot Dog Brain now. But um, yeah, he used to play in a band called Dr. Spunk, which were like a Mr. Bungle, Faith No More kind of band. Um, and he was a bass player in that, but she knew that he wanted to kind of branch out and do lead vocals, um, being a big um, Patton fan and Corey Taylor fan, Rob Flynn, that kind of, kind of vibe. So, you know, we connected over the phone and he screamed down the phone and we're like, yeah, dude, you're in. <laughs> it's like wild, wild to think about it. Like we'd never do anything like that now, but at the time it's just so like being a teenager and just thinking everything's crazy, you know, just getting that the brutal distorted sound down a phone. Oh my God. Just funny to think back at it now. Like the things we used to do when we were young. Oh man. I, yes. I shudder to think, especially like, <clears throat> me being a Geelong boy, you being a Bendigo boy, like, you know what it's like when you're growing up in that, like, early freezer scene, you know, and you're like, going to underage shows and things like that. I'm assuming that's what a lot of your early life was like. I oh, do. that's 100% what my life was like. So freezer had, I think they, there was two specific venues they booked through in Bendigo. And we had a, we had a really good, um, what was it, freezer team or whatever, the freezer group mm. um, back then. But I wanted to start booking my own shows and I wanted to try and do it my way. So I kind of, I found a hall and I started, you know, I booked my, my first band leech seat. I booked our first show um, at this hall and I, I brought Dr. Smunk down. I brought a, uh, another Melbourne band down at Bendigo and I, I picked up like four local bands. And I, don't know, I think we had like 300 people there that night. Like it was wow. huge. And that was really, really the start of, uh, like a new scene in Bendigo because back in the day it was like freezer gigs. As you know, it's like all genres, all styles, duets with death metal, with rock, that kind of thing. But, you know, like I was putting together um, like curated bills of like-minded bands and bringing bands down from Melbourne, which in turn allowed Bendigo bands to then go to Melbourne and we kind of developed a really good network that way. So Yeah, and that's so funny that you say that because I think it's in my kind of, that same kind of era, like early 2000s, there, Bendigo was known as like a scene, like bands from Bendigo would come down to Geelong or to Melbourne. But like there was a little, almost like a triangle where it's like everyone kind of knew everyone in a strange way, but there were like funny, strange little rivals. Like, you know, it's like. Yeah, definitely. It's, but that's, I think that's the thing like growing up, like we're, 
like as much as we're supportive, we're very competitive, you know, and, and people get very hung up on, you know, like this rebellious nature and that's just, just natural, you know, but when you get past it, it's like, you know, I've got awesome, some of my great, like good friends are from Geelong. Some of my good friends are from other rival towns, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. So it's like that stuff, you know, whilst at the time it made all the sense, it's like now looking back, it's like, well, it's part of it, how it defined us, but at the same time, it's, it's, it was special for the time. And without that, it probably wouldn't drive us to where we were now. So it's all kind of good in context. Yeah, for sure. And ta- like, was anyone else putting on gigs around Bendigo? Like, had you seen posters other than Freezer? Was anyone else doing things like this? Or did you have to just figure it out on your own? Like, who did you get to help you? Uh, I just figured it out on my own. And back then, like, I ended up doing like a music industry course, but I didn't really know sound. I didn't know production. I didn't know all that kind of stuff. So I can't fully remember what happened but we had to bring a PA in because the venue wasn't didn't supply a PA we had to bring a PA in and obviously bands would bring their own gear um but you know flyers booking all that kind of stuff was done through me wow um and then and then from that you know I, I booked a few more gigs I put a few more gigs on in Bendigo um you know Leech Seed we did uh our album or EP launch whatever it was back in the day and like we brought um like synthesis down and and um uh remains oh, which, which which was defect back then you know a few of these melbourne bands came down they played our show um and you know a lot of those guys are good friends to the day wow so you know like yeah yeah it was it was it was a really cool scene in Benigo, and you know I, like, i'm proud of what happened back in the day and there's a venue it was like an old fire station oh i, I went to um, gigs start- in the old fire station dude yeah, well, so that was that was originally. I'm pretty sure that was originally contact through myself. Like that was built off the back of the VRI hall gigs that I booked. Um, and then wow. after I started move, like when I moved to Melbourne, um, and a group of my friends who played in a band called Blank Expression at the time, they they were still at um, what was it like senior senior high, um, and they continued booking gigs there. So the scene kind of carried on after that, which was which was awesome to see because you know like. If like you know me and you, and you know some of some of the listeners will know me, it's like I'm really big on putting back into the into the scene, and that's a big part. It's like without without you know like watering your garden, it will not grow. So for sure, oh man, I think everyone does their own way to do that. I think that's really lovely. You know, whether it's buying merch or supporting people or going to shows or whatever it is. Like I think everyone does it in their own, own way. But there's always got to be someone like you, Dwayne, that's got to fucking be like right printing these posters, putting this gig on, you know, like it's a, it's an important job. Yeah. And, you know, funnily enough, I think that kind of relates to the card that I read it earlier. There's like, there's a line in there about, you know, it's like all your practical skills kind of come together. Yeah. And it's like, for me, it was, it was like, I'm not good at any of this. I can just do a little bit of all of it. So for me, it was, you know, like, I'm not a sound guy. I'm not a lighting guy, you know, I'm not like Cam, I'm not like a sick tech and all this kind of stuff, but I work alongside Cam. I do festivals. I, I do all this kind of stuff, but I'm always more like a glue guy that's in the middle that kind of helps all the other things because I understand a bit of all of it. Ah. But I but no one's chucking me the guitar and I'm restringing it in 10 seconds. So, you know, the, the sound guy is not breaking his leg, walking out through the mud to the sound desk and they're going, Dwayne, you better come help out. You know, it's like none of that kind of stuff, but you know, I can kind of help coordinate everyone and, and put people where they need to go. So, and that's something that I kind of have always done. And it's something that, you know, I was able to continue to do through the scene, whether it be selling merch or working at door or helping book or social media or, or whatever it may be. And, 
you know, it's looking back, it's like I've done some cool shit. Yeah, totally. Um, let's let's get to you move first moving to Melbourne. Did, were you one of those guys who went straight to Melbourne when you were like eighteen, out the door, off to Melbourne, or did you stick around Bendigo a little bit, or what was your? No, well, so I I was one of those like uh, I went to like my uh, what grade one. I was four years old, so I was like a year ahead because of where my birthday sits in April. Um, so I finished from memory. I finished year twelve when I was seventeen. So I was like a kind of year ahead. So I ended up doing like a two year part-time music industry skills course at TAFE. Oh, I did that in one year. Oh, wow. Yeah. So so then, you know, you learn how to roll leads and you learn how, you know, how sound desk works and all this kind of stuff and how the industry works. But to be fair, like all my, all my skills developed on the job. I've been out there and, and doing that kind of thing. So yeah, basically, I finished that. Um, I was working at Safeway, which is Woolworths. I was working at Safeway at the time in Bendigo. Um, and our store manager was uh, had the opportunity to open up the QV in the city, the Queen Vic, the QV store. Um, and I hit him up and he's like, yeah, we've got a job if you want it. So I moved down to Melbourne uh, to manage a, a department there. And that got me out of Bendigo, you know, either just before or just barely 18, you know. So, um, and my mate, Lyndon, who I was talking about earlier from, from Cranbourne, like he was the leech lead at the time. And so he's like, come down and stay with me until you get your feet settled. And that's what I did. Moved down, Benny go to Cranbourne, lived with his family for a bit. And, you know, from there I moved on and moved into um, my first house outside of him. I was with Matt Skitz, you know, famous, famous drummer from Damaged and, and and so forth so it's a pretty so pretty you, good introduction into <laughs> how did you end up living with skits like how did that how did that come about did you just looking for a place and he was just needed a roommate or yeah i was looking for a place and he was looking for somewhere and look my memory is very foggy from back in the day i feel like in a good way so much has happened i just kind of tend to forget but i mean i remember moving in with him and you know he's super clean and such like a super neat freak and he was an awesome first dude to live with you know it was like I had so much respect for him as a drummer and in fact um I'm pretty sure I ended up booking damage to come to Benigo um when they had um well they they reformed with a different lineup and they ended up playing the fire station so you know it all comes full circle yeah um but you know living with Matt and you know my parents coming down and going oh you know what's this new place you're living in and you know he's he was a super lovely super lovely to to them and it's like oh you know piercings and tattoos it's not all that bad <laughs> it's funny that only <laughs> oh, can be piercing tattoo and be nice too <laughs> so what happened after uh leech seed how long did leech seed live for uh look i'm not sure in terms of numbers and years but like we we done we done super well like we for a band for a local band it felt like we were just at the cusp of taking that next step but we're also that next step was around the time of the change in the new metal scene integrating into that hardcore metalcore scene so you know like early early late seed you know we we're all costumes and then by the end of the late seed era i was wearing a day of contempt or prom queen t-shirt you know like it was that kind of transitional period so i feel like we kind of missed our window to take that next step because like we we played with Segression, Frankenbach, Blood Duster, Earth, you know, all, all the big bands in the metal scene, the Wolves. Uh, we, we played with all those bands and we hung with it, you know, like we were doing well and we had um, a friend Danielle started looking after us. So we're at the cusp of taking that next step. 
but then it kind of just all fell apart. You know, like I, like I'd moved to Melbourne as well. So we had two people in Benigo, two people in Melbourne. Um, it was a lot harder to communicate back then. Like the internet wasn't as rife as it is now. So it wasn't yeah. as easy. So, and just being kind of young and I was a bit burnt out at the time and it just kind of fell apart, you know, and I took many years off playing music after that, but you know, I was still out of gigs four nights a week, you know, so that was my life, you know, just going to gigs, having a good time. Yeah. The reason why I ask specifically is because my first run in with you, Dwayne, was when you popped into a, we might have talked about, we might have talked about this on the last podcast, to be honest. So let's see if they match up, if you want to go back and listen. Um, I think I remember specifically. Yeah, probably not with my memory. <laughs> <laughs> you came to a show at the Ukrainian Hall in Geelong and people pointed you out because you were clearly not from Geelong because you had like, you had like a sweet denim vest on or something with like a bunch of patches on it. <laughs> you probably still got that somewhere. But I remember someone was saying, because I think you might've come down with Roman because you guys were in a project that never got off the ground. Was you get off the ground at Midsummer Night's Murder? Did that happen? No, no, it, it didn't get off the ground. So Midsummer's Midsummer could have been the best thing that never happened. Yeah, Midsummer <laughs> Night's Murder was, was, was a working title. But I mean, like we, were, we it was like a, it was ended up being like a digital project essentially like we had had a couple of jams but you know roman had wrote a bunch of stuff for it and it kind of like so i met roman from battle of the bands so his old band cassandra complex leech seed my old band leech seed like we played and played against each other um and us being a metal band then being like a like a kind of alternative pop rock kind of band um he still came after the battle and introduced himself to us, you know, like he was clearly into metal. So, but he was into a lot of classical stuff, like classical metal and old school stuff. And we were like more heavy and more modern. And then when we broke down and, you know, hooked back up after that, it was like, you know, I started showing him where the trend, like early Black Dahlia murder and that kind of stuff. So, you know, Black Dahlia was one of the first bands we had, when we got in the room to jam, we tried to cover one of their early songs. So that was a big influence on that period of the time. And I think that was a big kind of influence for Roman because it was it allowed him to see this whole new scene where you could play metal and kind of make something of it. You know, like old school was old school, but this was now. So there was kids going to shows and kids wanting to see all this kind of new kind of movement of, of metal. So for him, you know, like we, like he opened up, complex studios um and then ended up doing in name of blood recording them and then recording the red Shore. so obviously you would have met him around that era as well yeah because i think um, at the time I, I don't think he joined the red Shore at that point i think you those it was just a couple of melbourne dudes had popped into this geelong gig and it was like oh hello who are these guys you know what i mean and that was the first time i saw you and i thought and then someone said oh yeah he does look he looks like kirk hammett and i was like he really fucking does <laughs> <laughs> and to think it wasn't even as bad back then. You know? Do you think you've got? Do you look more like Kirk Hammett now than you did before? I, I look more Kirk Hammett when I grew my hair out and I let it go curly. But like, like back in the early hardcore scene, when I was wearing like you know like a faux hawk and straight mullet, and I was just cleanly shaved. I was a little less Kirk. And then when I let the curly hair grow, it was ultra Kirk. Turn the Kirk up. That's <laughs> yeah, true. Kirk is way up now. Um, so, so that never happened. That because there was a MySpace page for it. I remember. I remember there was tracks on the MySpace page, but that was just all studio yeah. kind of fun. You never played a show or anything. Uh, no, no. But but get this. Uh, so the lineup that we kind of put together it was like Dave Vellante, who was in in the abandonment. It was Sexy John Dave. and Jake Green. 
Yeah, Sexy Dave. Um, John Green, who's done these nuts, Pitch at the End, and The Red Shore. Jake, who was in The Red Shore. Roman, who was in The Red Shore. So it was like all of us. So it was a bit of a super group before people even knew or like what those bands would go on to be. Yeah. And then wow. we ended up we ended up having to, even though we'd never done anything, we ended up having to move on from Jake and Tim Shearman replaced Jake at the early incarnation of what the band was going to be. So, you know, I just set the blueprint for everyone to fucking <laughs> repeat afterwards, you know. And then I quit and then Tim Anderson took over from me. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> fucking Tim always sniffing around for bass parts. <laughs> Oh, we love oh, exactly. you, Tim. Oh, mate. Um, that's wild, man. So that, that was all happening. That would have been like, what, 2004, 2005? Probably because I was still in high school when yeah. this was happening, I reckon. Like, that's a wild. Yeah, probably. I, look, look. I'm, as I said, I'm, I'm really bad with the timeline, but I know Roman hit me up because we're doing this and, you know, it was going to be serious. And he, he hit me up one time. He goes, look, would you be upset if, or not upset, you know, would I have this opportunity cool to potentially, yeah. yeah, it would be cool essentially because, you know, retro at the time was only Jace on guitar. So um, I was like, yeah, for sure, man. You know, like it's, we're not doing anything. Like any experience is a good experience. And if it's something, you know, at the time, retro and early sounding Midsummers was very different. So like, you know, we were trying to do a very kind of like Dahlia mix with Between the Buried and Me. Yeah. You know, that's I was Melodic that's... and progressive correct i was gonna say i remember it being a lot more more progressive more technical and like more sweepy before that sweepy you know metalcore really took over you know like it was that I, what are they even doing back there on the guitars you know like it was just i'd never yeah yeah exactly like it was just it's just like progressive like harmonious circus tunes <laughs> but but in a good way yeah and that would have been a fucking that would have been there's a, there's an alternate universe somewhere where that band's you know still kicking you guys are all hanging out probably <laughs> like because that's like yeah a... i've got it yeah it would have been would have been awesome but at the same time if that did progress would we have seen the red show do what they did would we have seen picture the end at a time do what they did because obviously like john went on to do picture the end after that oh, right. and so you put the pieces together it's like these dudes were all phenomenal that's why i wanted to put them together i was like a crazy sports gm i was like picking the best players you know and put them together um this is exactly the same way electric dynamite was formed like we we formed by picking people that we wanted to to play with so oh that's great i'm all about that let's move on to electric dynamite now because what time uh, how old were you you reckon when electric dynamite started to form and what was the idea there well all i can remember is head and sex murder was 2010 so, you know, it's 10 years, 10 years this year, I guess. Um, wow. And so we would have been, what, maybe 06 or something? Like a, we were around for a few years before that. So, and I probably had like two or three years prior to that would have been without band. That was just going to shows. It was like, man, it was like seeing like the early Jack the Stripper, you know, with, with Danny Benici in it. And, and like that kind of era, you know, it was like way back in the day. And it was, it was kind of cool to hear on the podcast because it's like, and on many of the podcasts that you have, it's like, it just feels like it's a trip down memory lane. Like listen to old mates, just shoot, shoot the shit, which is what I love. It's, that, that's the kind of podcast I love to listen to. It's like my favorite podcast is spinning chicklets. It's like an ice hockey podcast. And it's like a couple of ex players getting together, shooting the shit and bringing in retired guests. And they just talk about the old days and just the natural chemistry. I'm just like, man, like a three hour episode is just boom. It's gone, you know? So it's so always cool to hear a lot, like 
those those times because it it moves on so fast and we forget you know it's so easy to forget but oh and now we hear about the good times man yeah we've got so much time to reflect now on all the previous gigs (laughs) so it's probably good to take a trip down memory lane you know so you're seeing all these yeah. kind of like awesome era bands. You're going out to shows. People know who you are. Do they know you play bass? Like, did they know you used to be in Leech Seed or that you had started this project potentially with Roman that didn't get off the ground? Like, did people know that or were you just known as like the promoter? Well, I think um, I was probably more known just from going to shows and selling merch and doing doors and like just helping out, you know, like I, I didn't make it really obvious that I was playing at the time um, and I knew when I was going to do something new and it'd be, have to be something that I wanted to do stylistically. So when I met, um, you know, for the origin story of that, when I met, um, Timmy, who was one of our original guitarists, um, Tim Bates, he played in a pop punk band, but he looked like a glam rock dude in a pop punk band. Um, when we met and hooked up, it was like, you know, we wanted to do kind of old school and glammy kind of stuff in like a modern metalcore vibe. So, um, he knew, excuse me, beer's coming up. Um, he knew, <laughs> he knew Ryan who became Maverick. Um, he knew Ryan from an old pop-up band. Ryan used to play with Aaron, our original drummer who went on to dream on dreamer. Um, and so he knew those guys. And then like, I knew Matty D, um, uh, from his old band. So we just kind of picked the guys that we wanted, put together based on a band that we knew we'd be a like an exciting live band and that was what it was always built on and we, were, we weren't when we were young it wasn't about writing good music it was about being a sick live band and it was to be memorable and to put on a fucking party and i think you know we got we got we grew as as the band grew so we all grew as musicians so it was, it was kind of cool like to look back and then we, we went through so many lineup changes you know obviously there's people like cam roberts has been in the band cam and Lockie, and um yeah benny clark who's got his drumming in baker boy now you know he was one of our drummers um so yeah we've had oh, sarah lim plays in night terrors obviously with miles and yeah and she's like, oh hi sarah so, i was gonna say when did sarah yeah. come into hi, sarah. the band and did you say we need a guitar player or did sarah say i want to play guitar like how did the guitar because that was i would have been when i first saw electric dynamite i would have been like maybe 18 or 19 and just i all i remember was like Sarah playing a guitar, you rolling it, like doing commando rolls with the bass, like in the Nash. <laughs> like, I think you were rolling on the floor, God. potentially, like not even on the stage anymore because that stage was tiny. And I just it's remember probably being into con- the crowd. Huh? <laughs> it's probably into the crowd. <laughs> just commando rolling into them. So like, oh, yeah, man. when did that, that like, did the lineup kick on pretty much straight away? Like, you know, d- the idea was pretty fully formed straight out of the box, right? Yeah, the idea was fully formed, but the, well, the good thing with Sarah is a good like kind of just connect back to an early part of the story. It's like Sarah was really good friends with Lyndon, so from Leech Seed, my previous band. So I met Sarah at the first ever gig I booked in Bendigo. She came down from Melbourne to hang out. What? So she was like 14 at the time, you know. So, and us both being the only two Asians there, we just like became family, you know. So <laughs> that's how it works. So like, Sarah's like my best mate. So, you know, when we first formed Electric Dynamite, um, Joey, who was playing in Beyond Mine, who became House vs. Hurricane, you know, another Geelong connection. <laughs> so Joey was, um, he was our original keyboardist. And he played one gig. Um, then we played a second gig in Bendigo with no keyboardist because he quit. And then our third gig was with Sarah. Wow. 
And did she so, have a keyboard you know, straight away or did she key tar it straight away? She was a, she was keyboard. Um, and then she found like a, almost like a toy sized key tar initially. Um, and she got that ordered in and then, you know, she played kind of both for a while. Some songs she'd play on the key tar and then some she'd move back to the keyboard, but she always wanted to be out there rocking out, you know, not confined by keyboards. So, you know, when Roland re-released like their synth acts, she was all over that shit, you know? Yeah. And so it was like, see like everything else. I'm just key tar it's so fucking awesome. Like, the key tar is a concept. He is aw- she's awesome, man. Oh, man, Sarah, we're coming for you. You'll do an episode sometime very soon, I'm sure. Um, she could tell us all about that sweet Roland beast. It's, I remember See, she's I, got... It's like... She's got heaps of stories, man. Like, like for, like, her involvement in the metal scene, the real metal scene, too, back in the day. Like she's, she'd have so many stories. She'd be a great podcast guest to get on. Fucking oath. Um, you hear that, Sarah? We're, we're coming for you. It's going to happen. Everyone's going to listen. Dwayne's going to listen to it and really enjoy it. Yeah, well, special times. <laughs> All right, so Electric Dynamite's happening. You know, like the early singles, like uh, what was that? Loose links, loose lips, sink ships. Loose lips, <laughs> loose, li- yeah, loose lips, loose leaks, <laughs> loose leaks of this thing. Uh, no, yeah. So that was the kind of like that was like it was breakdowns, but it was eighties and like you know Ryan's singing at the top of his lungs and like you know it was it was something totally different at that time. You know, there was a couple of people around. Definitely. like Who else was there? Like Morning Tide. Um, who else was Wendy Icon? Wendy Icon, yeah. Were there any other people doing that kind yeah. of sound? Was that you guys playing shows together? Yeah, I mean, like we did one show with the three of us, which was which was huge. Um, but that was the, the kind of thing. It's like you know, Wendy being at an Adelaide band, Morning Tide being North Coast, and then us being Melbourne. We kind of all had our own little scene. But when we ever played together, it was always a, an awesome time. And then you look like internationally, there's like Blessed by Broken Heart that were kind of doing that on a, on a bigger scale. So when they came to Australia, it was like we got to play with them here. Um, and, yeah, that was kind of cool. It was, it, was a, it was a cool time for sure. Yeah. Definitely a cool time. Very cool time. So you're going through all this. And uh, so you said Head Enem Sex Metal was like the first album of Electric Dynamite. And this is after a couple of lineup changes and you'd done the EP already. So I guess that would probably yep. be like about a five year gap. Between. So you probably started about 2005, 2006. I would, I would kind of estimate. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, like we did that, we did the EP with, um, Adrian and Maddie playing guitar. Um, Timmy had already left the band. And then when, by the time we did the video clip for the first single, which was Electrify the Night, Maddie had already left the band and Ash King came in who plays in Smokes Like Rhino now, he came in as another guitarist. So we've been to like 10 members, dude. It was like spinal tap of shit. <laughs> All we needed was someone to just like spontaneous get bust and it would be like, you know, <laughs> we couldn't write a better script. <laughs> Could you imagine just like a drummer just like, just exploding? Yeah, I would, I would love to see that. Maybe we can, maybe we can develop a TV show out of that, you know? <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> some ideas, we'll get Chamley to come and <laughs> exactly. we do like a we do like a sitcom on it, yeah. Maybe we can talk to Chamley <laughs> about it. So I was just about to get to that. So that's the first time we properly became friends was when I was working with Ryan Chamley. And I, how did how did you guys get involved together making that uh, music video for Midnight Rider, the infamous Midnight Rider film clip? <laughs> I would like to think, um, you know, like I used to. Watch Armageddon. Armageddon Sky was his Armageddon band. Armageddon Sky was his band, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, back in that era where I was going to gigs all the time, it was like 
I'd see them and I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember he started doing video clips. So when we knew we wanted to do one, it was, it made sense. You know, like we, like I've always loved to work with people that are mates, you know, like I feel like there's same with bands. There's enough fucking talent in Australia to take on the world. So mm. in terms of like creative creatives, it's like, yeah, you could go and get this, you know, this design house from overseas or this, you know, this videographer from Sydney or whatever, or you get a mate that does an awesome job that needs an opportunity. And that's not to say he needed an opportunity, but it's to say, I want to work with people that, you know, create a, it's that whole creative family vibe. But back then, you know, I was always into that kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, obviously it was a great thing because, you know, moving on from that, it's like, you know, we obviously became close after that. We've worked together on numerous other projects since then. So, you know, it all kind of works. So that yeah. theory of, working with people that, you know, work hard because you're mates. Like I'm, I'll always work harder for my mates and I would for someone else. So I, I feel like it's reciprocated in the way, you know, like we always want to see how, when you, when you, you want to see your real friends, when you are a real friend, you want to see your friends succeed. So you work hard to help them out. That's the way the scene grows yeah. from that kind of mentality. It's lovely. It's so, a yeah. lovely sentiment. Um, so that would have been, 2010 ish we did that clip there was a couple of electric dynamite clips i happened to act in one of them as well playing a sleazy boyfriend which was heaps of fun <laughs> for showgirls yeah that, that was a that was that was a lot of fun man like <laughs> that like that clip i really love that clip you know yes yeah. this this we did some cool videos I've, I've always loved to do good videos and, and come up with cool concepts so it's I actually went back and looked back at a couple of those videos from back in the day. Even like the live videos that we did were a lot of fun, you know? Oh yeah. Like I remember with Ryan and a couple of other videographers, we filmed electric dynamite playing. Was that the launch at the palace, the old Metro? Was that? Yeah. And that was massive. It was. Did you guys sell that out? If I remember that correctly, I think it was a sold out Metro. So our HCSM, the launch was at, the palace but yeah. it was on a club night so they were doing a, a club night called house of rock and so our on stage time would have been you know club opens at 10 we're on at 11 but the line was so big that they came with like do you guys mind playing later so we can get everyone in for you guys so we ended up going about 12 30 i think um so pushed back like an hour and a half so it ended up being like one of the most memorable you know to answer your question from earlier, one of my most memorable gigs would have been that one because <laughs> it was absolutely <laughs> packed. Um, and then we also played there, um, like we recorded, I'm not sure if we recorded a video that night, but um, Ryan had his last gig with us uh, and we did another show at the Palace, um, you know, a few months later and we did another single there that oh, night. Maybe I that's think that might have been filmed. the one you filmed. Yeah. Yeah, that was built to rock. I went, yeah, I went to that other gig that was chockers and then i think i filmed that one but i remember yeah there was a couple of us getting different angles there was like a jib arm at like in the you know behind the mixing desk and stuff it was like full pro yeah man one? it's just sad to a know jib that arm? did you guys have a jib in that yeah it doesn't i'm pretty rock? sure there's a jib in that mm. yeah there's some really good there's some really good like scenic shots in that in that clip so i'm sure there's some technology happening but it's just sad man like that venue that venue was so good dude so it's good. so sad <laughs> That's so sad. Um, is it going to be like apartments <laughs> now? Is that the plan? Are they just going to develop that into like high rises or something? Or are they going to... I don't know. I don't know. It's just such... I, a, I don't even want to know. The way it, it tiered as well, my... like all the balconies and shit, like you could see from everywhere. And it was just such a cool venue, you know? I saw so many... Uh, some of my most memorable gigs were at that place, you know? Sick. 
Oh, same. Like up in Rebar at Goo, like up in up in the up in the Mez Bar. Like I saw Parkway with the original bass player up there. You know, some Mind Snare heaps and Blood Duster and a whole bunch of you know bands that you know end up being mates of. So yeah, yeah it was just good times. Very good times. So you you're playing Electric Dynamite. That goes for. When did Electric Dynamite kind of uh, end? Are you guys just on like an indefinite hiatus or was there like a line in the sand drawn that Electric Dynamite is no more? Did that happen? No, it was, a, it was kind of indefinite hiatus. It's, um, we, I can't remember, like we, obviously our last in, incarnation had Luke Toomey singing, singing for us and we, I was overseas and we got had this opportunity to pl- support Sebastian Bach um, at the forum and we basically didn't have a singer. We got Luke in to sing that show and we decided if the show went good we'd try and figure out a way to keep the band going but you know like any band that's been around for 10 years and with six members you know there's a lot of other underlying shit that's going on so you know like it was it became more of a job than than a passion but by, by that by that stage you know so i've still got a lot of love for everyone in that band but it's kind of how it was at the end mm-hmm. um and we did that show and it went super well, you know, like we had such good feedback on, on, um, on Luke and we're like, yeah, let's, let's continue. So Luke, Luke was super close friends with Lockie and Cam. And that's how my introduction to Luke kind of came through that at a later stage. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, it was just kind of, it got to the point where I was like, yeah, we're not going to book anything. If something comes along, if it's right, we'll do it. And just like anything, you know, get those invites when you're not out there. So it's just kind of filtered away. You know, everyone's kind of, you know, Cam's doing Black Helm, Sarah's doing Night Terrors, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in True Believer with Luke. Um, you know, so we've all kind yeah, of moved on and we're doing good stuff with, now. with uh, Baker Boy. Yeah, so everyone's kind of and like... A, yeah. Yeah, like everyone's Yeah, well, after... after after Benny, um, I mate Liam joined the band. Of so course, he, Liam Martin. Yes. Oh, yeah, man. Liam. Yeah, yeah. So you know he's he's doing a he's doing a good family life at the moment. But you know I'm sure. Oh, he's if you're listening, more, Liam, love you, kit. mate. I haven't seen that yeah, guy love in you, ages. Liam. You know he's a he's an animal behind the kids. So. Oh man, that's yeah, that's right. Because there was he was definitely there for those last couple of years, right? Well, here's another connect too. Like Liam used to play in solo. That Tim Shearman, so he was either before or after Tim Shearman in Solo, which Jimmy from Chasing Ghosts used to front. So there's another connect. You're like, dude, the, the scene's six degrees everywhere. It's, yeah. it's fucking wild when you think about it. It just sounds like you're at the middle of it all. <laughs> like there's this little well, yeah. Dwayne Center, you know, everyone. Yeah, well, I, fuck, I live, I live with Stu Callan for a while. I went on tour with the abandonment, sold their merch for a bit. But I also, Rob Allen and I, we were going to do two bass grindcore band called pink mist i'm sure you're getting a bit of a kick out of that we used to just get get drunk together we're gonna like do this like two bass two basses and digital drums and do a grind band together never happened but yes yeah, there's, there's a lot of six degrees bro that's amazing. I'm hoping listeners are indul- uh, enjoying the self-indulgence of us just reference, like referencing other episodes of previous guests and things like that. It really does help tie all the show together, though. So thank you for doing that. Well, I just feel like there's a bit of a, a thread that goes through all your shows. So like, I appreciate that. And trust me, like this name dropping isn't to toot my own horn. It's just like there's the connection, you know. It's, it's, connections it's sick. Everywhere. Connections, everywhere. connections everywhere. So uh, uh, unlike NBN. <laughs> 
<laughs> no connections. <laughs> so hopefully this this connection's all right. <laughs> Listeners, we've only had one dropout so far that I've edited out and you didn't realize. So hopefully we'll be fine with the rest of the conversation. Now, tell us a little bit about what happened post-Electric Dynamite. Like it's kind of in this hiatus state and you kind of focus on work at this point, I assume, yeah? Well, yes, yes. But like in, in part, like Luke... Um, and Gabe had started doing True Believer um, while Electric Dynamite was going on. Luke was singing in Dynamite, but Gabe was writing songs for what would become True Believer. Um, I was also, um, I've been with Kylie, my wife, for five years. And so we started traveling, doing um, the UK, and she works in the music industry. So, you know, for the first couple of years, I had a work visa, so I'd go over there and work as well. So my focus wasn't entirely on playing and we weren't doing anything, but you know, the more and more I'd see Luke, whether it be at a dynamite, you know, we've practiced a few uh, occasionally, whether we be at a, a, at a practice or at a social event or whatever, I could see this excitement he had for true believer, but he, I guess it wasn't like he didn't want to come out and be like, Oh, got to check this out. So there was one time where like, fuck, we're, we're at a, party that you know he'd been up for a couple of days and i'd been up at another party come gone home and slept and then moved on to another party the next day and we're just there we're, we're cooking on and and kylie's just like when are you gonna fucking show us some music and i'm like yeah dude and he's like do you want to just hear it now you know it's like faux pas you don't do that shit at a party but we're cooked and <laughs> yeah let me i don't just, think anyone there had the ability <laughs> yeah, no one they had the ability to use the auxiliary cord you know like let's be fair so we I managed to somehow navigate into his Google Drive and then figure an audio out to the fucking sound system there. And we'll, I remember the first song I heard was Meet My Maker, and I just remember hearing it going, "Fuck, this is this is really good." And they were the demos at the, at the time, so they hadn't recorded with Joel yet. And I'm just like, "Dude, these are these are good," you know. And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. thanks, man, thanks." And I was like, "Cool." And then next day I wake up and Kylie and I like. They're, they were good songs, yeah. And she's like, yeah, they, they were, <laughs> they were good, you know. And anyone that knows Kylie knows she's, you know, a bit of a straight shooter. So, <laughs> like, fuck. All right. Well, I guess I better try and see if they, they'll take me on, you know, because they had they had no bass player at the time. And funnily enough, I actually told Luke, I'm like, don't worry about getting a bass player. Like the connections, obviously, you, Gabe, and Lockie, um, you know, you're the trio that makes it work if you want to tour the UK, do Australia, just, you got enough bass players at your disposal. I'm sure Tim Anderson's free. <laughs> just get him in to play. You know, if you, <laughs> if you go to the UK, I've got, I've got mates over there. I'm sure we can find you a session bass player, you know? Um, but then I heard the tracks and I was like, I want to be that guy. Yeah. So, you know, Gabe, Gabe reluctantly was like, all right, we'll get this fucking Dwayne guy in. If you, if you fucking, if you want, we'll get him in, you know? <laughs> so I came in, you know, I'd learned those, the, the, the demos and kind of came in and gave him a crack and I probably did better than I expected. Um, yeah, the reputation was more that I was a bit more of a performer and not much of a player. So You can commando I, role, but can he, can he play along, you know? Can I actually play the bass? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I, I knuckled down and I, you know, worked hard to learn him and it kind of, what was good for me was it was, it was a different style like the bass, like I'm a bass player, I don't play guitar riffs just on the bass. Like I'm, I'm, there's a feel to it, you know, and it felt, it felt natural to me. It was hard. I had to work out but it felt natural. And I was like, man, I, I'm playing the instrument differently than I did in Dynamite, which was hundred percent me. 
Mm. but I'm getting the same enjoyment out of it. So that excited me from day one. So, you know, we did a few jams and, you know, uh, Lockie, I could, I had a connection with Lockie straight away as a drummer, you know, being a bass player, I like to lock in with the drums or like this hits and certain inflections and things I do that, that fit. And I feel like we, we kind of locked in pretty well at the start and the energy was good from the first rehearsal. So, you know, fast forward a few years and here we are. Yeah. Wow. So run us through, I mean, look, we have talked about True Believer, the band at length on this podcast, but uh, maybe give us a couple of things from your perspective, like maybe certain things that you've been really proud of or, you know, maybe things that, I don't know. Yeah, like what's what's the True Believer Dwayne perspective? Well, the, the good thing was coming into the band at the start and it was something I had to get past, but it was always, I always referred to True Believer as them. It was never us, you know, like, because I was like the new guys. So, you know, it was easy for me to talk to friends and promote it and be like, hey, have that separation. I've joined. Yeah. Like, like the big thing is, like, as you get older, it's harder and harder to promote something of yourself in a creative field without having that kind of almost that scorn from people, you know, like, especially creatives. It's like, I don't know, there's this weird thing where it's like you talk about, like, if I was a doctor and I was going out and doing things, and I, all I talked about was me, 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 me. There would be less of a problem with that. But being a creative, there's a, there's a bit more of a, a kind of a negative filter placed on what you're doing. You know, oh, it's not real. Yes, this is a kid's thing, blah, blah, blah. So for me, sometimes it was hard because, you know, fuck, I had people at my wedding that didn't even know I did a band, right? That's because I'm not, I don't really talk about me in a band. But when I joined True Believer, it was kind of like, man, I was... I was able to create that separation and I was able to go, these songs are really sick. I can't wait to show you these songs. I've joined this band. Mm. So it kind of made that kind of stuff easy. And then because of that too, it kind of led into, as I was saying, like Kylie, my wife, she just worked music festivals and worked all around the world and you like not using, but having that contact to be able to, um, have her go to a festival such as Bloodstock, which we ended up playing going, Hey, look, my boyfriend's in this band and he's doing this stuff, but she can be proud of it too. Because it's not, it, I don't know. There was this kind of separation where we were able to promote it almost externally, but be from within. Um, so it kind of made it easy at the start, you know, it's, I'm sure there's some, some listeners will kind of get that because it's, it's sometimes really hard to promote your own creative avenues. Oh, dude, I, I didn't even use my personal Instagram to plug the podcast until a couple of weeks ago. Cause I didn't want my Instagram to be about like this thing that I do, you know, I thought oh, I can live on its own, but it's like, how the fuck is it going to grow unless you tell people that it exists, you know, like people, yeah, exactly. people exactly. potentially may have found this like show from the fact that I, as a personal dude posted on my Instagram. So I, I understand that completely, man. It's like this thing that you're like, you're worried about what people are going to think plus yeah. What they're going to think about you specifically, not just the product you're making, whether it's music or a podcast or a video or something, it's like, they're just going to judge it straight away, you know, like, and it's, yeah, I think it's a hard mental. And hurdle. you know what? I think it's a big thing as a big detriment to our scene. It's like I mentioned before that I feel like Australia can hang with the world in music. And I hundred percent believe that I always have in any genre, you pick a genre, you could pick a band from Australia that could kick ass in that world. But the audience, the mentality of people here is it's that tall poppy syndrome. Like mm. people succeed and you cut them down. So with the first, you know, like Parkway being an exception that it succeeded and people still backed. It's like most people, as soon as you get that taste of success, people turn their back on you. So it's like, it's 
ingrained in us pretty early coming from this industry and the scene that, you know, on the back of some success, it's, you expect to kick back. So it's sometimes easier not to even put yourself out there. Correct. I think Parkway is a funny one. Do you think the doco, the DVDs have something to do with building Parkway success because you see them like on the road and battling and like sleeping under vans or whatever. And you go, Oh, those guys are all right. Even though they're like the biggest band in Australia, you know, like, do you think that's where it comes from? Definitely. Definitely. Like there's, Parkway have that relatability and I think that's, you know, people connect. And I had this conversation with with friends over in the UK um, so they don't have the Australian patriotism to connect them to the band, but they're like, they feel they just see them as like a football hooligan band, you know, like they're, oh. they're relatable. They're like, and Parkway when they play shows over in the UK and stuff, it's like they get that kind of football chant vibe and that kind of links to the kind of Aussie camaraderie vibes so you know it's that kind of connection in terms of the the emotion that they emit but they're very relatable and related like in this age like it's not the glam rock era like the the era of the rock star being too big for your audience you know and you often hear it in podcasts about how to um project your band to an audience it's like a lot of people don't want to be above the audience anymore they want to be one with the fans they want to be on Facebook and commenting back and they want to be personable. And you see it like Instagram's opened up and, and Twitter has opened up celebrities to the audience. And that's the age that we're in now. So you take a band like Parkway that's relatable. They love to jump off cliffs and surf and fucking be the boys. Like, yeah. isn't that, isn't the, isn't the great dream to jump in a band with your fucking five best mates, whether it be music, traveling or whatever, you know, it's like, yeah. it's great. Yeah. Fuck. That's a, that's a really nice thought. I don't know how we got onto that track, but it was a really nice track. I hope listeners enjoyed that. <laughs> Just a couple of mates shooting the shit here, Rory. That's it, mate. You um, know, we're going to... Lucky we didn't write down any topics prior to the podcast because we just <laughs> knew we'd talk heaps of shit. I've got, th- I got three things written down here. and We've done like two of them already. Um, of them. <laughs> and we'll talk about the last one now and then see where we go. But let's talk about this new uh, film clip. Everyone who listens to this show knows that... Uh, I had a hand in helping make the previous True Believer clips, but this one's a little bit different. Tell us a little bit about this uh, exciting new single. Well, originally you were going to have a part in this video clip. I was. Then the world had to fucking shut down in a pandemic, didn't we it? We had to so... think about animation as an option for a music video instead of going out and filming one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, we did our last single servant in august which you had a big part of of that video and the concepts behind that um and then the original plan was to uh probably release lucifer in march april um obviously like i was out on a tour in march and i can kind of see where everything was going and then just by timing and everything we're like oh you know we'll push it back to april we'll start working on it then and then everything shut down yeah so obviously like this has happened with everyone it's like when everything happens is that uncertainty the last thing you start thinking about are your creative outlets it's like you know survival instinct comes in and you know especially in my industry that's completely shut down yeah. um it's uh with so the, the touring sector and the international touring it's like obviously gone um it's like you know we're just looking to get by so you give it some time though and you realize the things that matter, the things that keep your head above water, the things that help your mental health. It's like doing the things that you love. And for us, it was, we need to keep doing stuff. We have this song that we've, we've got recorded that we know we need to put out. Um, and we already have new stuff that we're working on. So we need to 
work on it now you know the the time is now with everyone down looking for entertainment you know looking for videos and songs to get them through to, to give them some form of like an outlet it's like the eyes and ears are all on the internet so it's a good time to to drop it and we just needed to think of a different way than what we're already doing to do a video clip and obviously animation was the smart the smartest choice at the time um so we we had a an ongoing an ongoing conceptual storyline with you through yep. time of the lord and servant um and we were going to conclude it on this video but that's obviously changed now um you know there's relatable relatable subject matter in in the video um but i think you know there is an opportunity for something in the in the future on another song that we've got coming up that I, you know, me personally, I'd love to wrap up the storyline of what we're working on. So, and, and, you know, have that opportunity to do the stuff that we'd storyboarded out previously because yeah. it's, it'd be exciting to go back and oh man, there's, to do that. Hopefully there'll be time for that for sure. But in the meantime, you've all got fantastic little animated versions of yourselves. Was that a trip to see like a cool little 3D version of Dwayne, like playing bass on the thing? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty cool. Because so the way it came about was um, Gabe actually posted the job brief on freelancer um because i wanted to i didn't know any animators so i wasn't able to do the whole pull in a mate to to get a mm. job to get a thing done so um and you know this uh this agency from ukraine responded slow cheetah um and they hit us up and go yep we'd love to do it within uh, within your budget um can be done and we're like all right cool yeah, so the initial brief on the storyboard was pretty loose. Um, and then when he sent through, he sent through like a, a digital storyboard. So to the, to the music um, and it just basically showed up points to it. We're like, man, he's hit everything that we wanted. Then when he sent through the first draft, which had some properly animated sales and some just clearly outline and sketch stuff, we're like, fuck, he's, you know, really, really nailed this. And then when we saw the, f- the first of the final drafts, we're like, do like everything to like having Gabe playing as a left-hander uh, to our website, to the flames coming up in the band, uh, in the live scene where the lyric flames hit. They're all the stuff that he done, like yeah. the logo and stuff on the, on the tour van, none of this stuff we briefed. So it's shit that he's like the agency's gone out and researched themselves and put it together, you know, so we could, we couldn't have done it without them. We couldn't have done it for our budget anything like that if it wasn't for this team. That's so, you amazing. Know, so there was like yeah, no micromanaging. It was just like they knew the vibe and they just nailed it. And it's just so much fun. Like it's it was so much fun to watch. <laughs> like just seeing. Like- yeah, well, it, was, it, was, it was fun for us too. I mean, you know, like obviously we've got pretty high standards when it comes to audio and visual and we want a top quality pro- product. But the, the, the reference video I sent through to them wasn't that good. So when they came back with that, I was just like – I'm done, mate. I'm done. That's awesome. So we're super stoked, you know, like really, really thankful that it come out like that. And, you know, Gabe, Gabe was a bit nervous because he was doing the, he was the, the point man on the whole project. Um, and with the time differences in Ukraine to Australia and, you know, they had a few jobs come up that they were busy on corporate stuff. It was like kind of a timeline was a bit at risk. Um, but yeah, it's like, you know, I feel like there might've been four, serious conversations over a four week period. So not every day. And that were the four major draft kind of steps that we had. And then we got the final product and we're like, thanks. <laughs> we'll sign off on that one. 
That's amazing. And this is, so this is an old uh, recorded single. You recorded this with Gomez over in uh, the UK, right? Like uh, when you played it. Yeah, correct. So tell, yeah, us, correct. So, t- tell us a bit about your experience recording with Gomez, the infamous Gomez. So for, yeah. So for the listeners that don't know who Gomez is, um, Gomez is a audio engineer, producer, mixer master from the UK. Oh, he's from Colombia originally, lives in the UK and works out of the UK. He's done a whole bunch of really sick records, um, Paradise Lost, Grave Pleasures, um, Orange Goblin. He's done stuff on Ulva. Uh, he did that new super group with um, Dave Vincent from um, Morbid Angel and Flo from Cryptopsy. Uh, he's done a whole bunch of super cool stuff. He's done some stuff with Ruin from Mayhem. Um, and anyway, so... Kylie, my wife's friends with Gomez. Uh, one of her best mates is one of his really good friends, um, Steve. He's one of our really good friends now. Um, and basically we were over there for Bloodstock and well, we knew we were going to be over there for Bloodstock and Kylie hit him up and goes, would you would you be cool to do a song on Dwayne's band? And he's like, for sure, bro. You know, let's get it done. So he managed to squeeze us in. He's like, I'm not going to set up and do one song. you got to have two ready for me. So the boys, um, I was already in the UK at the time. So the boys finalized from Lucifer Love on the flight over there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so I, I think that story was on, told on by, by Luke on the last podcast. Yeah, yeah. Just like so, furiously arranging things around, getting it ready. Furiously, yeah. Yeah, but, it, you know, it's kind of super good. And working with Gomez was great. You know, like, I, again, I love working with mates. And you know, Gomez was a friend, obviously, before that as well. But just getting to work with someone at his his level in a studio of that caliber um you know we're eternally grateful for everything he's done for us you know so it's uh it was a couple of days of heavy bending and then a couple of days of heavy recording um and we're pretty happy we come up with what we got so it's great to hear man i quickly need to pee though Can we do a pee beer break Oh yes, I've been hanging on yeah, for probably dude, thirty like, minutes. So if, you, if they're if they're, sh- if they're shaking in my voice, it's because I need to pee. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right, let's pause this. All right, I'll be back. So you know, it feels good. This song's finally out. It's got a clip as well, which rules, and it's so much fun. And you've got uh, you've got an animated version of yourself in three D and in two D as well. Which one did you like better? Did you like yourself as the three D model playing in the band area, or did you like the one of you like drawn? Um, look, I I think it just adds to the clip having the both elements. It's just it's cool, man. Like it's oh, it's, it's the best. <laughs> like to think, like we were thinking, we'll probably get something back a bit kind of like metalocalypse, you know, kind of flat, you know, and the, and the guy was like, no, no, trust me, this is going to work, you know, it's because we'd only seen like early sketches of how it was going to be. So came out and it's like, it, it looks unique. Like it looks, it's got a little bit of a video game feel to it, but at the same time, it's got a little bit of like an animated feel to it. It's, it kind of fits. Like, I think you can tell there's a little bit of tongue in cheek in the video. Like we're not taking ourselves too seriously. Um, um <laughs> so and which and is with good because i think it's a bit of a departure from the previous videos that are very serious you know and, and it's like oh you guys are still you know cool party band dudes it's not all you know doom and gloom no exactly exactly and i mean you know satan loves to party so <laughs> it makes sense <laughs> satan is like the ultimate party dude exactly exactly so you know look we're, we're stoked to come out i mean depending on when you're releasing releasing this full transparency probably 
early Monday, Sunday, probably Monday, next probably week. Sunday, or probably Monday. Monday. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it would have been almost out for a week. Um, you know, the videos up on our YouTube and all socials, which, and I'm sure you link to that as you do being a great podcaster and Mel as a good producer, getting all that shit sorted. So, yeah. you know, the viewers, uh, the listeners want to check that out, you know, follow the links below. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. I don't have to do it for myself. You can do it. You can do it for yourself. It's lovely. Um, yeah, but that's it's it's an it's an awesome achievement, man. And it's like a really cool, different thing that I think we're gonna have. Like, uh, who was I talking to about the other day? Like, Netflix is just every show they're green lighting is like a new animated series from someone. It's like, yeah, because no one can make content now unless it's animated. Like, if people can stay safe in their things, and like they're saying that Hollywood aren't going to be able to do movies because they won't be able to touch. And if they're going to be touching people, it's going to be CG. And it's like, oh, Jesus, like, I don't know when this is going to come out the other side. You yeah. Know? Well, I noticed um, Gojira released uh, their new video a week ago. Um, and that's an animated video. So I don't know if you've, you've seen that yet. I haven't, but, no. um, I feel like there's going to be a string of animated things coming out. I think I've seen a couple other Aussie bands come out with animated or, or visualized music videos because i mean it works in this climate you know like we can't get together we can't shoot a normal video so what's the best way around it so doing something animated and then allowing you to do things in an animated feel that you couldn't do i mean we couldn't <laughs> we couldn't afford the pirate it would have taken to do those flame scenes <laughs> if it was really us singed eyebrows and all you know yeah man oh i remember like um I went and saw Metallica once at like a Rod Laver style thing and they had like the big flame pots and they were so far away. But even when they went off, you can like feel the heat. You're like, yeah, you'd, you'd struggle. Yeah. That's why the pyro teams when they're working with stages, there's like a huge fucking fluoro taped area around it. That's basically don't stand over here, you know? Yeah. But speaking of Gojira, I'm pretty sure one of the guitarists got hit with a, a stray pyro at a show Whoa. because... Yeah, so it happens. It happens. Stay away <laughs> from those yellow lights. Yeah, exactly. It's when it says keep away, you keep away. It's got yellow fluoro tape on the ground. Don't walk over it. You know, <laughs> we'll all be safe. <laughs> I want to go back to something you said earlier, Dwayne, that was kind of fascinating to me when you said that you kind of saw the writing on the wall in March about the COVID stuff. Can you tell me a little bit about what it was like to be, you know, someone working in the kind of music, live music industry on tour, floating around, and then people are starting to hear rumbles about, hey, I think we're going to get locked down. I think this is going to happen. Like, is that, what was the kind of, what were the ears on the ground moment at that point? Yeah, well, it was obviously, like, our industry was very worried. Um, a, lot, a lot of dudes, everything is touring. So, you know, it's not a regular, you know, nine to five on a fucking wage, on a salary, whatever, you know, and, you know, there's no holiday pay. There's no sick leave. There's, you know, there's nothing like that. It's like you get paid for the work you do. So if you're on a tour that has got two more months left in that tour and it looks like that's going to wrap up, it's not like you then can replace time to fix that big space of work that's just gone. It's like you're done. So... You know, I remember the last show that we we had done. I was working on this actually with Cam. You know, he was uh, he and I were both working on this tour, and it, he hadn't even left Melbourne. I was already up at the show, um, and the band he was working with got told, "Yeah, no, the gigs are going on." Whoa. And we're up there, 
Yeah, and it was like, man, is this real? And like, I remember all the production team, you know, all us friends, yeah, all, all the all the backline guys, audio guys, merch, you know, all the all the teams were together in like the catering area back, and it's just like it was so just weird and solemn, like people just realize like this could ruin some people, you know? Um, but at the same time, like, let's be fair. This, this is happening to a lot of people everywhere. Um, it just so happens that we're talking about this because this is our kind of industry that we're talking about. It's but, a slant um, you know, I, podcast I have, for sure. <laughs> it's a slant. Exactly. Exactly. I just, you know, I, I I'm definitely very sympathetic to a lot of people that have been affected, you know? Um, but for us, it's, it's, I'm lucky too, because I do local, and international touring stuff but for my friends that only work on international shows that don't have you know that may have worked themselves out of the local scene that's tough because the international stuff's going to be the last thing to come back you know like your local scene's going to come up before because you know the, the word is you know obviously when people do get to travel if international touring bands come into australia and there has to be some form of quarantine it instantly isn't viable i mean australia is hard enough to tour on for an international band as it is with the distance traveled and the distance between each shows and the and the costs involved but if you then had to involve add like say two week quarantine onto the start of that that's two weeks of a hotel that's two weeks of food that's two weeks of everything before your shows even hit so you know it's it doesn't look very good for international touring straight away um and i'm sure it will come back in some in some way, shape or form, but you know, your local scene, you know, we might get that kind of resurgence, like the post recession where, especially in Melbourne being like the home of rockets, like you saw the growth in so many bands on a local scene from Tuesday night through Sunday, because everyone wanted to be out going to gigs. So, um, you know, Melbourne was the rock capital and it was built on that kind of energy. And I've got a good feeling it's going to come back. Um, when when that comes back it it will hopefully see that you know all these bands that have hopefully been writing on their laptops and doing all this kind of stuff at home they can get together quickly to be ready f- to play live you know um it, and if you're not doing it it doesn't that's not, nothing wrong with that either you know you got to do the, what you need to do right now to look after yourself from a health perspective mentally and physically you know it's if you need time off like if you've used this time to do nothing but just to just to get by that's fine too but if you've used this time to work on your creative outlet because it makes you happy or whatever, then good for you as well, you know. So there's there's going to be people ready to go when we're allowed to go, DJs and bands and so forth. And I, I really, you know, I'm a very optimistic kind of guy as it is and I really feel like the scene's going to, it will explode. So fingers crossed, fingers crossed, because, you know, like one thing we all miss and we all need is a lot of fucking music that's for sure yeah man it's like it's it's funny how with the the cambodia video which will have already been uh, premiered live on the saturday like hopefully that's given people something to kind of get excited about Cause certainly for me like i got a little bit excited like oh man being able to sit and watch some bands and like i don't know it's a weird it's not as uh visceral as being there but just even reliving those kind of moments and just remembering that it was so simple back then you know like i think there's yeah I think it's going to give hope. There's, there's been some, there's been some like effective use of like the digital media for live music at the moment. You know, like, I mean, a bunch of European metal festivals came together to do the European, I think it was called the European Metal Alliance or something. And 
just last weekend they had all these bands come together to do like a three-day streaming event and then obviously we've got holiday for cambonia which is just gone and then this weekend coming i think north lane's got one of their huge shows from the sydney roundhouse is friday saturday there's tickets available online for so you know between you know a couple of nights ago and this week come and coming up you know it's really good live music you know so it's keeping me entertained it's keeping keeping the metal flowing and between all the fucking ice hockey i'm watching during the week and then you know <laughs> and then the bands on the weekend uh, yeah, we, we get by we get by and it's arts never die arts uh, like the creative industries always bloom from this kind of fucking devastation mm. you know Sw- swedish melodic death metal like a great genre wasn't born from sunny states you know it was born from the dark cold swedish climate you know it's like you know what i mean like it's it's we've we've got stuff to look forward to for sure we just got to get there yeah oh that's a really positive way of looking at it. and I, I feel the same way you know like there's a grass is going to grow out of cracks in concrete you know like people are going to play music people are going to make art like it's not going to just stop because of a pandemic it's just going to be all hibernating in everyone's little studios everyone's building in their houses you know like everyone's yeah exactly i mean I mean, for us, like for, for True Believer, like we've we've been busy. Like we haven't, we stopped for a little bit, but you know, there was a period of time where we could rehearse and it's like we're able to get together and work on mu- music for upcoming releases. You know, we're able to get something else together, which will reveal in in due time. You know, it, it's it's just like it's being able to take you know a, a tragic environment and try and find some positivity in it. It's not to say is it positive, it's to find that positivity within it, you know, and it's, if you can do that, you know, you can get through your days a little bit better, a little bit easier. And that's all, all we're trying to do day by day. You can't control the future. You can only control what's going on right now. So that's where we're at. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm. Very, very nice. Uh, <laughs> nice little wrap up to that chunk of the podcast. You want to jump into the lightning round questions? Definitely. Definitely now, my, my favorite. Just, just, just wait, just in full transparency here. When I did initially send you these, these light, some of these lightning round ideas, it was a way I foresaw for you to integrate your love of, as you say, nerding out and geek culture and your podcast. Cause a lot of people that you get on have that kind of, you know, you're into comic books or you're into fucking Marvel, you're into this or that, whatever, right? Video games, whatever. When I sent the initial, <laughs> questions to it's only come to light that i'm like fuck it shows my age so like transformers <laughs> turtles and i'm like oh, did hang you on. listen to you the know. joe hansen episode when he was just like i didn't get into this yeah stuff. i did i'm like oh we need to change these questions for 90s kids because like exactly no and that's 100 percent it it's like i when i sent the questions to i didn't think you'd use them as is i thought you'd be like oh cool i see what Dwayne's trying to I love like, show me. I was like, I'm in. I need questions. Dwayne sent me a bunch of them. I'm fucking throwing them in. So yeah, this is going to be exciting to hear your choices yeah. on some of these. Now, eventually the, the lightning round is growing with all the extra patrons that are jumping on, throwing in questions, which is great. So we're going to have to like, I don't know, cut a few or pick a few per guest or something. I got to figure that out. But I can't spend, like, because eventually the podcast is going to get shorter and shorter and the lightning round part of the show is just going to get longer and longer. <laughs> can't have that. Um, so let's let's get a crack at Dwayne Jackson, analog or digital? Um, analog. However, my nickname's Digiboy because <laughs> I live in the digital world and the band calls me Digi because I do all the digital shit, but I, I love the sound of vinyl. 
every day if you'll, I could. You'll but throw Digi down the name can, of Digiboy if it means you got to listen to that vinyl, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll take I'll take over the team. <laughs> Start calling you Anna Boy maybe or something. Come up with that. Oh, no. No, that's not very good. Don't do that. <laughs> log Boy. What about Log Boy? <laughs> Did I nearly spilled my beer. <laughs> <laughs> what oh time did God. you wake up today? Eight o'clock. What was the last thing you read? <laughs> um, just just working out how to try and connect my audio with Zoom and Discord <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, troubleshooting on how to do a isolation podcast. Uh, yeah, no, I, unfortunately, I, I'm not analog when it comes to reading. I'm more digital when it comes to reading. It's like podcasts so. <laughs> and audiobooks. Um, what was the what was the audiobook you last did? Are you a big audiobook guy? Uh, I, when I'm on tour, I am because it's like sometimes, especially when you're driving, it's good to just sometimes chuck an audiobook in. You can just drive. Um, nothing. I like my to my to do list. There's like 20 books in there like legit 20 books to read. So I'll get along to them sometime. Yeah, exactly. You'll have time for them at some point, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> your first memory other than watching your, uh, was it your cousin play piano? What was oh, the, family friend? Play family piano. friend, family friend. Yeah. So what, what other first memories you got running around as a little young Bendigo child? Apparently I was, and I say apparently because one of your other um, podcasters and uh, interviewers were mentioned this, but, your memories as a child are sometimes yours, but sometimes they're manufactured by stories that you're told. Yeah. Right. So I feel like I remember running around at one of my birthday parties at my old house playing backyard cricket and then just pissing on the wickets <laughs> as a child, just dropping them and just leaking on the. So I feel like I don't know if I remember that or I remember my dad telling me very angrily about what I'd done for many years afterwards. <laughs> so, like, was it an act of defiance? Like, had you gone out in cricket, which is why you decided to pee on the wickets or you just needed to pee and that was well, like... Well, I definitely didn't have too many beers and I needed to pee like <laughs> we did earlier in this episode. It was, um, yeah, no, I don't know. Just small bladder, I guess, you know. I have to ask my doctors. <laughs> um, are you a tea or coffee guy? I am a coffee guy. But I never used to be. I only drank, started drinking coffee the last couple of years. I was always a tea guy. I love green tea and stuff. But, you know, I do drink coffee almost every day or every second day. So I guess that makes jump? me a coffee guy. What was the thing when you were like, I'm going to decide to start drinking coffee now? Was it just you were just tired at work? I'm a, no, I'm, no, see, that's the thing. Like, I never got into that coffee culture of morning tea and having a coffee. I just never needed it to start the day. But my wife loves coffee and she kind of got me drinking it. But I feel like my palate changed. Like, I never drank beer. I never liked scotch. And I didn't drink coffee, right? Now I like all three. Oh. I used to be like bourbon and, and so forth. So I feel like there's a relatability in your palate with some of those flavors, you know? So I feel like they're a lot more easy to digest now. <laughs> <laughs> Easier on the palate. <laughs> what was the last thing you cooked? Uh, I made a, like this, a, like a taco fusion I do with like tempeh um, and burrito spices, but I do like a, like a corn and jalapeno fried mix, fresh avocado. And then the reason I say fusion, it's kind of got like vegan mayo and dried shallots on it. Uh -huh. So it's kind of got like, a creamy crunch on top of um, 
the burrito kind of tempeh, but then there's like a, a mango chili kind of sauce I put through it too. So it's like sweet and yeah, I don't know. It's, they're good though. Fuck. Yes, just had great. those for a couple of lunches. <laughs> yeah, it's quite, quite fresh. Real fresh. Um, if you were reborn, who or what would you like to be? If I was reborn, who or what would I like to be? I'd love to try my hand at being as like a an athlete of some description. As a child, like I was athletic growing up, but I chose the route of music. Um, but you know, I see a lot of similarities between the psychology in like athletes and sporting teams and so forth with musicians. There's a, such a parallel that. I think it's untapped. I think there's a lot of lot there that could be um, kind of researched upon. Um, and I feel like I would love to take my same course in my life, but apply it to the sporting world. So whether it be, it doesn't matter what sport or individual or team sport, but I'd love to see the same kind of steps I've taken as a muso playing in bands, doing the grind, you know, going out to gigs all the time, whatever, whatever the kind of parallel that is in the sporting world, I'd love to try and, see what that would be like because i think it would be would you fascinating pick? would you would you pick hockey i'd like to say i love it. yeah i'd say ice hockey it'd be sick and they're just like it's the tank or the the as i said with that podcast it's like the way you hear these dudes talk about their teammates and how they went to battle and everything it's like that's what we do in our bands yeah you know, no one talks shit on your bandmates no one fucking you know you go to war with those dudes you're in a van for 15 hours sometimes because we live in australia and you're in these and you do these shitty venues and play no one and then sleep in shitty hotels and get up and you've got each other's backs and you get you drive to the next venue and it's such a good time you know so you go to war with people you develop these lifetime bonds and i feel like hockey's got that same kind of, same kind of culture yeah so i'd love to see my world in uh, my life in that world i love that that's a really great answer man um what inspires you <laughs> Live life, laugh. <laughs> it's so inspirational. Preferably in a script. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Preferably in a script front. Um, so lot Like lots of people, like people just working their asses off to, and I'm not like the grind isn't necessarily working your butt off for nothing, but it's like working hard and succeeding, you know, like people kicking ass at what they do like not not taking like not biting the hand that feeds working hard being good at what they do and just being there for people you know so yeah yeah that's a great that's a great answer uh inspiration yeah so much inspiration um what was the last (laughs) record you played analog boy um no i don't have a vinyl i mean i don't have a vinyl i don't have a vinyl I don't have a record. I do have a record player. Kylie's got two record players in her DJ kit, but we don't have a vinyl collection. I just prefer vinyl. So, but the last tracks on Apple Music or Spotify I would have listened to would have been my own band (laughs) because the single just come out. (laughs) (laughs) Got to get those views up, boy. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Just on a loop. Just keep spinning it around. Um, just on a loop with two VPNs hitting all those other countries. That's so. <laughs> yeah, a smart move, man. That's how you, it's like, oh, there's a really big play over in uh, some weird country. It's like, nah, that's just me with a VPN, just like looping the video over and over again. Yeah. No, but um, apart from that, I, Power Trip just released a 
live in Seattle record. So I've been working out and giving that a hard smash. Sick. And I also checked out checked out Health um, after listening to one of your podcasts. So I've listened to that a little bit too. So. Oh, when did I me- – I'm a big fan of Health. When did I mention that in the show? Who knows? I can't tell you the episode. Come on, mate. Fact check that. Fucking I love <laughs> Health. I'll talk about them all the time. I just love their internet presence at the moment, especially like they just post heaps of memes. So like their Instagram stories is just like 10, 20 – like just memes picked from other places. So it's like, it's just a great place to get my memes, you know? And plus I like their music. Yeah, sick. That's the way it's going to be, mate. <laughs> it's like I want, I've been posting more memes on my like Instagram stories because it's like, yeah, I just like now scrolling through people's stories and seeing funny shit, you know? Like if I can bring some joy to someone by posting someone else's meme, then I'll do it. I'll do it, damn it. Oh, exactly. I think there's a fine line between too many posts in a day and just nailing the right memes yeah. it's like it, it's cool like like i'll scroll and I'll be like oh sick that's funny that's funny that's funny but then you realize you're still doing that for like 30 40 pictures and you're like this is too many funnies because like, then it's not funny it's just like oh yeah yep yep and then your thumb's sore and then your elbow's sore because you're in bed <laughs> yeah. and you feel like your elbow that like the bursitis in your elbow is about to explode and you're holding the phone up and your phone's heavy because they're not light anymore and you're just like oh my god <laughs> have you ever dropped your phone on your face in bed before i've definitely yes done it. yeah not, yes, yes, I have. <laughs> There's a lightning round question for you. Yeah. Oh, Future patron, patron listener. Have you ever dropped your phone on your face while scrolling Instagram in bed? I think most people have probably experienced it at some point. Um, lightning. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite piece of musical equipment? My Fuity Signature Series Ibanez bass guitar. No, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, well, I, I, I got a new bass when I joined True Believer, which is actually a Duff, um, Duff McKagan signature jazz special Fender. So that's the white bass that I'm using in True Believer. And that's definitely my favorite piece right now. It's sounds fucking awesome. Play as well. Um, oh, and it's actually great. the only non, it's the only non Ibanez bass guitar I own, you know, I've got like 10 Ibanez bass basses, but this one Fender that I use in True Believer. So wow. it's perfect. Love, love it. Uh, who do you, oh, wait, no, I missed one. Last movie you saw. Movies. Actually, it's not the last, but, uh, I started to watch Watchmen again because I started to watch the series and I was like, fuck, I need to go back and rewatch the movie to remember all the characters. Cause I, you know, I haven't watched it for ages. Yeah. Um, so I started it again. Um, and then I need, just need to finish it. I'm about halfway through. So I, I love that movie and. I knew I was going to start watching the series and I finally got around to start watching it. And I was like, Oh shit, that's right. Dr. Manhattan, this and that. And I'm like, and then three episodes in it's, um, what's that? The female FBI. Oh, no spoilers. Silk, Silk Spectre. Silk Spectre. Yeah. And I was like, hang on, is that? And then I'm like, it is, I need to go back and watch the movie yeah. I need to remember all the characters again. So that'd be a little, little refresher and I'll, I'll watch that. I'll probably finish it tonight. Yeah. Um, and then get back into the series. Fuck yeah, that's great, man. I'm so glad that people have messaged me and be like, "Oh, I started watching Watchmen because of the show." And I'm like, "Oh, good. We've like, we've like, you know, like it didn't need any more press." But uh, you know, I'm happy to. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize like because it's it was on the HBO package, and so I was like, "Oh, where am I going to watch it?" And then I got binge for The Wire. So I start, just finished nice. all five seasons of The Wire, wow. and then I was like, "Oh, fuck, Watchmen's on here too." So what do you think? Of- I watched the. Yeah. I was watched The Wire and then I watched the rest of Ballers because I didn't finish the last three seasons of Ballers, which has got the rock in it. Yeah. 
Um, it's like so. Isn't then, it like uh, entourage, yeah. but for sports clients or like? Sports? Yeah, it's like a, yeah, yeah. It's like they they call it like the sports version of entourage. And I was a massive entourage fan, so it's perfect. And it's got the rock. It's, like, good, it's good times. How could you not go wrong with the rock, man? He fucking rules. Um, he does rule. Uh, who do you love? <laughs> Live, love, life. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love, I love, I love my, um, I love my wife. I love Kylie. I love. My dog, Sora, uh, love my band, I love people, I love my friends, you know, family. So, yeah, Pre- pretty obvious. And you just mentioned, uh, I said, do you have any pets is going to be the next one. You mentioned your dog. We might have even heard it in this podcast potentially. Tell us about your dog. No, that's that's a neighbor's dog. It oh, just literally it? just barks all fucking day. So, not cool. Um, my dog, Sora, which you've met. Yeah. Did you meet Sora when you dropped yeah. in once? And that yeah, other, and no, that other um, dog as well. There was two massive ones. Oh, that's right. So, yeah, for, for the listeners, I have a Great Dane Neo-Mastiff female. Um, she's two and she weighs about 60 kilos. And her boyfriend, whom we met when he was a puppy at like four months old, is also the same breed, but ours is grey and he's chocolate. Um, so he's like two or two and a half years old. Um but yeah, they're like boyfriend and girlfriend. So basically we met him and was like, we need to get you. We need to get one of you. And then we found um, a, a Dane Mastiff up for adoption on Gumtree or something. And we we're just like, yeah, we'll have you. And so yeah, Sora's been with us ever since. She's Lovely. fucking awesome. Lo- love her. Yeah, man. Something about those big dogs is just like, whoa, like power. Oh yeah. When, when she falls asleep on you, it's like 60 kilos is heavy, right? Like, and like doing jujitsu, it's like you get used to weight on you, but there's weight and there's athletic weight, but then there's dead weight of a of a sixty kilo beast animal. <laughs> so like she falls asleep on you, and I'm just like, uh, I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, are you useful? Hmm. How does one define me useful? I think this is quite a perplexing question that many people are complexed on on this on the pod. Yeah, I'd like to say I'm like, I, you know, I nickname myself Jackson of all trades, master of none. <laughs> Last name being Jackson, so it's, I do a little bit of lots of things, and I feel like that's useful. You know, like there's special there's specialists out there that do great things. I'm not that guy, but. If you're not after that guy, I might be the other guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that guy either. I like just dipping my toes in little bits and pieces. You know, don't don't sell yourself down one river, you know. Just do whatever you want. Let it evolve. Yeah, exactly. That's probably why I thought I had ADHD. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can do, give me all the little things. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It gets you. Um, what's, it what is your biggest fear? Fear? Well, I can't swim. So drowning is a pretty big, pretty big fear. Yeah. I'm, I'm the, the cliched Asian that can't swim. <laughs> oh, so, like, so no, like uh, metal yacht cruises or whatever. Like what, what do they do those things? Oh, no. it's like you get in a boat and you, can you, can you get on a boat happily or would you be scared to get on the water? hundred percent. I've done, I've done cruises and loved them surprisingly. Oh. That's back when we could, you know, back when it wasn't such a shit thing. Back when but, it was um, spreading the Rona. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Or the the Ruby Tuesdays and the Ruby fucking princess and the Ruby this Ruby that everyone's dying, but um, no, like I definitely can't swim. I can get out in the water. I can go up to chest height, but anything 
I'm sure open water in a small boat would be petrifying and I'm getting my head under water is petrifying. So drowning is pretty scary mm, for me. Good one. <laughs> oh man, the ocean is terrifying. We don't know how deep that mm. thing is. You know, what's going on down there? <laughs> Some people do, <laughs> but I don't need to know. <laughs> I need to go measure that out. Yeah, we'll just leave James Cameron in his tiny little boat to go down there and figure out what's down there. Um, well, I just watched the, um, I watched the David Attenborough Great Barrier Reef doco. Have you seen that? No. Is it about like how it's getting fucked oh. up or is it about like, was it before yeah, it was fucked up? It's, no, no, it's about that. It's like he just, it's modern day Attenborough. Um, and he talks about how he visited it back in the day and what they're trying to do to preserve it. It's phenomenal. And he goes down in like one of those special like crafts that can go certain depth and all that. It's just beautiful. Like it's just it's phenomenal viewing. It's either on Stan at Netflix or binge, no free ads, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it's one of those streaming services. <laughs> Hunt it down guys. Oh, I've got, I've got two of the three. I haven't got binge yet. Cause it's like, Oh, the HBO stuff is a real big draw card for that app. But like how much is binge a month? How much extra I have to pay a month on top of all of my services? I think it's only, I think it's only 10 bucks for one device. Like one one device at at the time, um, but the apps fucking horrible. You can tell that like so it's the same dudes that do Ko the sports app. Yeah, um, and it visually looks great, but the functionality it's not there yet, so it's really buggy. And it, you can tell that they fast tracked it because everyone's at home. So like oh fuck, we just got to get this shit going. And like sometimes you'd be on it, and suddenly it'd be like oh multiple users detected disconnecting, and I'm like motherfucker, I'm only on one device. Then what I realized what it was doing is so like using Chromecast or whatever, like you connect it via Chromecast. So it connects and starts streaming from your Chromecast device and then it would start playing from your phone. So then it would read it as two connections. Uh, I'm like, dude, I'm playing it from my phone to Chromecast. That's one connection. And and I was, so I play an episode of say ballers or the wire and then close the app. And so then at the end of the episode, I'd re go back into the app and then go next. And then close the app. Like, oh, that's fucked. Did, did you boy? You know, just figure workarounds, bro. <laughs> <laughs> can uh. I? Can I? Can I take a little bit of time before we move on to more questions about what you thought of the wire? Because that's my favorite show of all time. And uh, Mal and I are gonna have to watch it together. Because I'm like, you got to watch this. I don't know if it's gonna hold up though. Those first, like that first season. Did you get through the slog, or did you? You know, did you find it hard to watch at the start? Um. So we started the wire during COVID. So it's only been the last couple of months. We did all five seasons. Wow. Um, and so you, and you, did you get straight into it? Well, so we did top boy first. So top boy is like a UK, um, it's on Netflix. Drake oh. took over for like seasons three, uh, the, took over season three. So with top boy on Netflix, you got to watch top boy summer house first. So it was like a, like a short series that was done like six or seven years ago or whatever. And then Drake took up production for it. And then, got uh the next season which is classed as season three on netflix but it's like uk um uh what do you call it like um uh housing what do you call it um like commission housing kind of like similar commission housing that is that is it so it's commission housing in the uk drug dealers gangs all that kind of stuff but there's not the cop there's not not as much of the cop element like it is in the wire but so we we just finished that and then Kylie's like, oh, fuck, we should do the wire because it's kind of the comparison is it's it's was was Top Boy before Top Boy. 
So season one, absolutely loved it. I'd heard from just being on the internet that season two was a bit a bit of a slower season in the dockyard, uh, in yeah. the docklands of in the wild. But I love that. Like I love that kind of culture. Of, I loved it too, wolfy, man. Yeah, I didn't, life, so. I didn't think there was a weak season I, in the wild. <laughs> yeah, I think the school, the school season, like season four, that was probably my least favorite season. Um, and there's a lot of stuff like if it's not a season that you can watch where you're on your phone whilst watching it. No. Like you've got to pay attention because there's a lot of political stuff, um, you know, budgets and cuts and this and that. And you've got to pay attention so you know where all the characters link up. So, um, but yeah, got through it and yeah, loved it. I reckon it's fucking great television. It's worth, and it's worth a binge if you're, you know, doing nothing around in in, in COVID and you need, need a new series to start. I mean, five seasons, a lot of, lot of television to do like a full hour per episode. Oh man, and I just love all the people from the Wire that have popped up in other things later. You know, like it's like Idris Elba before he was Idris Elba. You know, like you forget. You're like, oh, oh definitely. Yeah. Like he was, he was like a, a struggling like bouncer DJ dude at that time, I think. And then you're like, oh fuck, look at him now. You know. Well, there's there's a there's um there's a a dad like a bored dude that's like one of the commissioners that that leaves in the Wire that becomes the guy that just kind of like the, does a rehab stuff for the kids. And he ends up, he's after the wire, I started watching ballers and he's Ricky Jarrett's dad and ballers. And then in Watchmen in season two, he's like the news guy. He's at, on the news corner with the papers oh, and stuff. Yeah. 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 And I'm like the three shows I've just watched. He's in all the three of them. I'm like the fuck HBO <laughs> man. He's got the HBO. HBO. Locked. <laughs> yeah. He's got his 10, 10, 10 fucking 10 show contract, bro. Lock it in. There's another guy, I don't know his name as an actor, but he's great. And he's in like True Detective. He's in Watchmen as well. And he's in, he just pops up in all these things. I'm like, oh, he was in Barry as well. Have you seen Barry pop up on your binge feed with Bill Hader as well? No, I haven't. But That's is not... that worth worth a watch? Oh yeah, it's a great HBO show that I also could highly recommend to listen. So it's Bill Hader from SNL and Superbad and all those kind of Judd Apatow movies. But he's playing like a Dexter style contract killer who wants to, give that up and be an actor in LA instead and the acting class is taught by the Fonz Henry Winkler oh sick alright there's a good premise Yeah. if so you didn't you sell me already you give, just sold me then give that a hot go that's on binge as well I'm sure because it's one of those HBO shows that uh, Foxtel has the exclusivity to here in Australia uh, if you are listening and yeah. wondering why I know so much about that I just, I just fucking love HBO <laughs> yeah. shows man and the only way you can get no, it that's in it. Well, that's Foxtel yeah well that's what binge like I mean binge was brought out that's it's foxtel owned so mm. it's to to give us a streaming service for the hbo package you know so i shouldn't be promoting another fuck company but you know we're, we're all into if we're listening to this we're all into similar shit aren't we so yeah, <laughs> i mean like i mean entourage is on hbo what ray donovan is ray donovan hbo no nah, that's fucking, a showtime like, one so that's on stan a uh, showtime that's right it's on stan yeah. I know so I'm one of them. They're both blue logos too, so I get confused sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that oh man, it's hard what you got in that space. Like we're blue. Like menu log just turned to orange when they were green before and like I couldn't find the app on my phone anymore because I'm like, where's the green uh, chef I, Don't tell me that. I haven't updated. I haven't updated, so I'm not yeah, gonna update now. It's like an orange knife and fork now. It's like I can't find that when I'm like scrolling through my phone trying to find food. No, um, I'm looking for green, bro. <laughs> exactly. You've got to like let people Arseholes. know. Um Do they know? I don't even think they do know. We've totally lost track of this lightning round, by the way, but we're... we're, we're yeah, I was hoping this would happen eventually. Cause... <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, what do you value the most? Did we do that one? What do you value the most? Um, no, I don't think we did that, but um, loyalty, compassion, 
um, sincerity, equality. They're all things. I'm, I'm sure there's more, but they're ones that come straight to mind, which would mean they're probably high up there on my list. Great, great list items. Um, can you do any voices or a- any accents? What kind of do you do any of that stuff no, in the van? No, or? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not that kind of guy. But like all of us, so that you get drunk and you on tour, and I'm sure there's voices coming out. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely not that guy. <laughs> all right, we're, <laughs> we're moving into the Dwayne Jackson questions. The, the Dwayne Jackson specials. Transformers, <laughs> <laughs> Optimus Prime. <laughs> Autobots. I don't know. Anime or Disney? Anime or Disney? Do you do you do anime or oh, are you a Disney guy? Yeah, I'm anime. I was kind of surprised to hear the lack of anime yeah. listeners. You know, I feel like, but maybe it's an age thing. Like anime, like for me growing up, like with Ninja Scroll and Akira and Battle Angel Tar and like all that, it was, it was my life growing up is, you know, being into metal. But then I'm like, oh, hang on, anime is now more like Studio Ghibli, and yeah. like that's how people kind of compare so um for me yeah it was anime growing up but i mean now that disney owns fucking marvel and stuff too it's you know a bit of a wash but for, for, like if i had to sit down and if i could only have a catalog of either say i'm on the road or whatever i'd probably take an anime catalog yeah get you through those van rides way longer than the disney movies that's for sure you know yeah definitely it's all about that length uh star wars or star trek star wars it was, yeah, I, I never really done Star Trek. However, after listening to some of the episodes, I was like, maybe I should give Star Trek a go. Yeah. You know? it, like growing up, it was like, you know, it was the, it had negative connotations if you were a Trekkie, but now it sounds, sounds like a few people sold it. Sounds like it could be a pretty cool watch. Yeah. We need to get some of those Star Trek seasons on one of the multiple fucking streaming services we all have to subscribe to now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have DC Plus, so no Star Wars for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm stealing my brother's. Uh, he gave me a login for his Disney Plus, and it's like, oh, there's not really a whole lot here. Like, it's got Simpsons, which is great. You can watch all the Simpsons, so that's totally worth. Yeah. It. But then uh, once you watch the Marvel movies and a bit of Star Wars, like, what are you, what are you gonna go do then? You know? Oh, they got Nat exactly. Geo. But... Oh, perfect. So perfect. There's, there's maybe a... that's where you hit. You know, get yeah. your value there. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of education. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> a little bit of brains. <laughs> oh, I don't feel bad. It's like numbing my mind now. I'm watching some fucking, I'm learning about right. stuff. No, uh, exactly. And and people shan't judge. I mean, like we're all getting through this as we can. Yeah, that's right. Be numbed, be numb, bro. Linkin Park said it best. <laughs> um, uh, Autobots or Decepticons? Autobots. I, I grew up loving Transformers, hence the question. But like, I, yeah, I was... I, I, I feel like I had such a good collection of G1 toys and then I went back home and I was like, oh, dad, where's all my Transformers toys that were in the shed? And they're like, oh, I think we've given them away. And I'm just like, no. But I had like, you know, like I had a whole bunch. I had like um, the protector bots where you had like the five and they made like a bigger one. So they were all based on like an ambulance, a fire engine, all that kind of shit. And I had the constructor cons the Decepticons with all the green construction elements. I had like a bunch of the Dinobots. I loved all the groups. So I had all those G like the early generation stuff, but yeah, it's all gone. Fuck. All gone. You can I know. Be like me. And don't get me started. Transformers, the original animated movie, bro. When Optimus dies, the amount of tears I shed as a kid. I love Rodimus Prime, but bro, <laughs> as a kid, I was, I fucked my shit up. You can't do that. That like, fucked me up. They didn't think. I have trust issues because of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
severe trust issues. You hear me? You're gonna go watch a nice Transformers movie and then like the main dude dies. You're like, no. Yeah, that's fine. Like think about it as a kid. Like that's yeah. fucked. Like what are they doing? They didn't. Assholes. They were too busy trying to sell the toys, man. That's the. I think that was the problem. You know. Yeah, selling on my tears. Yeah, shit, man. Fucking assholes. Um, are, are you, you more of a Batman or a Robin? You asked this question, and I love this question. This is like my favorite lightning round question, by the way. Yeah. So I am. I'd like to think I'm more of a Robin. You know. Sorry. However, in my working environment, I've often been managerial or of leadership roles i like but i like to consider myself more of a robin like i don't as cool as batman looks the gadgets and everything it's like he's a fucking specimen you know so <laughs> oh, i'm more there for the comedic relief and the fucking sweet red tights same you know? same I, I agree with you i wonder what what does what does joe rogan think about batman i love how you said he's a specimen that's it's true he is like Pan, <laughs> so it's like you know what is, I wonder what Rogan thinks. It's very, about it. yeah. And there's all there's good levels of different Batman too. You know, obviously through the different classes of the Batman saga, there's like you know you've got more specimen style Batman, and then there's being more like a bit more of like skinny kind of fading away Batman. But you know, they're still they're they're the moral compass and their their code's still the same. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Underneath a, you know, more of a flabby Adam Westick uh, exterior, you know, there's still a good heart, there's still a good Batman heart <laughs> in there, you know. <laughs> oh my Adam West. <laughs> so good. Um oh, what's your favorite Ninja Turtle? I was Raphael. So I've always been red. So red I was red with Raphael, red with my like, Chicago Bulls sports teams, red is a favorite color. Red, red, red. And then yeah, look, I always thought growing up too, and I tried to do some quick research after listening to a few podcasts. I was like, hang on, is this something that I've just thought of that I've read and just forgotten? But I always thought that he was he was modeled after black culture initially oh. when his character was created. And I didn't know that until a bit later. And I was like, oh man, like because he's got he's got like some serious swag. But then now I can't find anything about that. So maybe I just made it up. Oh, just a nice little internet fact we've put out there for people to start saying that to people and be like, is that true? Like, I don't know. I heard my podcast once. They were probably talking shit. <laughs> podcast once must be true. Must be true there, Wes. <laughs> Why would we lie to you, listeners? Um, what movie could Back you check watch? check it now. If... <laughs> oh, don't worry about that, Mel. Billy Madison. Billy, Billy Madison, every day you could watch a movie and not get sick of it. You reckon? <laughs> every day I watch Billy Madison. No, I was just thinking like, because like my era was Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore and shit growing up. You know, that was the, the shows that as kids we knew every line of, you know, just before Anchorman. So yeah, then it, yep. my mate said it just younger than me. It was like Anchorman and that. And granted, it probably doesn't hold up as well as it did back then, but it's still pretty funny. So let's just go with either that or... or um. Let's get Top Gun. Oh yeah! <laughs> simply because it. my old band was simply because my old band was named after all the characters. Just quickly, let's have a quick side side sidebar to talk about this because yeah, that was the great thing about Electric Dynamite was you all had like uh, Top Gun call, call signs, signs, but then after <laughs> dudes kept leaving, it's like how many can you pull from the like <laughs> when you get into like the tenth member of Electric Dynamite? Was there many call signs left to use? Oh yeah, we started having to use the the trainers of the stunt, <laughs> so they weren't even in the show. They were just like the training guys. 
I was just looking through IMDb, just going, oh, that one I do. <laughs> you can be that person. Yeah. Circus get... Flex, you guys get. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I remember, yeah, Cam was Flex, wasn't he? It was. So how, so Specimen. Just... <laughs> <laughs> He's flexing those pinch harmonics, just like. <laughs> you know the face. Oh, I know Cam, the face. Cam, you're listening. You know the face. I do know Sexy that. Sexy bitch. It's a, good, it's a good guitar face. Uh that's what, the best. What country do you want to visit the most? If we can get, after all of this craziness, if there's anywhere you could go, if you get to, like, you know. Oh, Japan. Japan? Have you, yeah, Japan's been on my, to, yeah, I've never been. It's been on my to-do list for pretty much since I was, like, 15. But I always had this closed-minded mentality when I was young that I'd only go to countries when I got to two of them. So I kind of put off the ability to travel for myself. And then you get older and you're like, fuck, i got to start doing some shit, you know? So... Yeah, I've never done Japan, and that'll be that's high on my to-do list. Fantastic! You know, it's an island. It's, so, it might be controlled. You yeah. might get, to, you know, they might get their shit together faster than other places. Yeah, I just I'll hit up Luke Luke Frieson after this and say, "Bro, get me into Japan somehow. I've got a band." <laughs> <laughs> He's got the connections for sure. He's got the connect. By the way, how good, how eloquent is that dude? Oh, like, just he's fascinating to listen to. Like he's like the vocabulary his enunciation just this is great he's a wordsmith yeah he's great man having mm. him do that little snippet on the cambodia episode before this was just like oh man it's just so nice to talk to the guy you know like he's just always up for a chat yeah. it's, it's always great talking with him so yeah we're gonna look we're, no, definitely. we're doing hopefully a little bit of uh extra content for fucky tarot lady with luke in the future so you can keep your eyes peeled for that as well which is pretty exciting we're gonna hopefully try it's, it's gonna be a fucky dictionary and it's every episode will be him saying a new word that no one knows and we have to fucking look it up on the webster's and go oh that oh that's what he means sweet <laughs> If that's what we're going to do, yeah, this fuck, day you and age, fuck you, Webster's. Fuck you, dictionary. Fuck you, dictionary. That's the, yeah, the Oxford edition. That's the, the Luke special. <laughs> awesome, man. All right, we're moving into the fun new Patreon questions. So, um, this is lightning, bro. This is lightning. This is not lightning at all. We've got, but we should change it to just question round. Long form question. question round. Talking. Uh, the first MA15 plus movie you ever saw. Do you remember like that? Or maybe not MA15 plus, I, but like, do you remember when you knew you weren't supposed to watch a movie and you shouldn't have so watched it? I know this would have been before my answer, but I definitely know, I rec- I did not definitely know, but I reckon my first MA15 movie or movies, plural, would have been something from the John claude Van Damme um, videography because, you know, like back when they did those like blockbuster to new release five weeklies. Yeah. 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 I, I used to be allowed, like my family would allow me one or two weekly movies. So I went to all those Van Damme movies and all that kind of shit. So yeah. So that's definitely, definitely my, uh, my, my early memories of MA15. Oh, that's awesome. Just quickly before we move on as a special lightning round for just you, Dwayne, what is your favorite Van Damme movie? Cause he's got some bangers. Uh, double impact with Rodman, or is that double team? It's you got two doubles. I don't mind sudden death either when the hockey where, where he's oh, like, oh, yeah, the, where it's set in, in at um at that Pittsburgh playoff game, so that's pretty sick too. But he's got some classics, man, because yeah, he was got some is he, he bangers. Double team was him and Dennis Rodman, and double impact was him playing two him of and him, <laughs> him and him. <laughs> John Claude Van Damme. John Claude Van Damme. It's, it's great. <laughs> this is both of them. It always works. It's such a great. It's it's popped yeah. up in. It's on one of the streaming things because it's like 
things Rory would want to watch, Double Impact. I'm like, I actually do want to watch that. <laughs> like, thank you, Albert, <laughs> yes. for knowing that that's exactly what yeah. I want to watch right now. I haven't I, watched I it think yet. I've got the enti- I think I've got the entire Jean-Claude Van Damme videography on a hard drive. There's like movies I've never even heard of are on there. So, you know, I might have to uh, drop a USB in your letterbox. <laughs> yeah, man, for sure. I want to watch some of the fucking... Like, supposedly, I saw in a doco once that, like, he did a spin kick for a producer, and that was enough to get him a film career. Like, someone was like, what do you got, Van Damme? And he did, like, a big spin kick, and they're like, you're in. And I'm like, that's amazing. Like, that's how he got the job. Like, just doing a spin kick. That's such a Van Damme thing to do. (laughs) Maybe it was a split kick, because he can still do the splits even now. Like, maybe it was a split kick. I don't know. He he did something crazy. Have you seen the the video, like, a friend of mine posted uh, just the other day, is like, anytime you're feeling glum... Oh, every time I'm feeling glum, I watch this and smile. And it's just, it's you see Van Damme's head and he's got his arm closed and he's kind of bobbing a bit. And then the camera pans back and he's not doing the splits, but he's standing between two trucks. Oh, yeah. That are reversing up that a highway. That was a Super Bowl ad. Um, that was like a... Oh, there you go. Yeah. It was like one of the ads for Super Bowl that year. They got like Van Damme to do the spike. I mean, obviously it's probably digital. He's not probably doing that between two trucks. It's very nah, he's doing it. Don't, don't disrespect Van Damme. He's doing it. No stunt doubles. No stunts allowed. It's just him. <laughs> Only him. Fuck, man. Van Damme rules. Um, this is just making me want to watch Van Damme movies. So I'll have to... Exactly. In the post-ramble, I'll talk about which episode, which Van Damme movies I've watched in the last uh, day between doing I them. might have to... Um, I might have to finally sign up to Patreon after this episode. I'm so sorry I haven't done it already. And oh, my yeah. question will be, what is your favourite Van Damme movie? <laughs> yeah, oh, if you do that, that would be great. And I don't have to worry about uh, putting it in I'll buy, I'll buy you a digital. I'll buy you a digital beer there, Rory. You can pay Thank me the you. marketing expense That's later. Very lovely of you, man. Thank you. Uh, another question from our patrons, Claudia's question. Uh, if you had to live in a horror movie, which horror movie would you live in? Obviously not one with water. No, definitely not Jaws. <laughs> what would you do? Um, would would you? All right, no, I'd probably say um, maybe the like early Evil Dead, mm-hmm. just because the 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 action and the dialogue's just so amazing. <laughs> or I know it's not considered horror, but being in a Predator movie would be pretty sick. Oh yeah. Oh, I love that. I would love to be in Predator, hanging out with all those dudes, just getting slowly picked off one by one. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, what a movie. Oh, dude, so good. Do you know Van Damme originally played the Predator in that movie and then they had to like swap it yeah. out? Yeah. How good how good's the like the pics of him in costume? Like that that Predator was not very scary at all. <laughs> no. But wild that that was a concept though. Um Yeah, hundred percent. And imagine if he didn't use lasers, he just like just jumped on people and then spin kicked their heads off. Like Jesse Ventura is like just chewing tobacco. It's like, oh, I've got to fucking kill you, Van Damme Predator. And then he just gets his head spin kicked off. That'd be sick. That's it. See, in another parallel still reality. Got his, st- <laughs> his head goes flying off. He's still got the cigar in his mouth. It's just puffing. He's like, fuck you, Van Damme Predator. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesse Ventura. What a fucking unit. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay. There's a, there's a big list of movies i got to watch after this conversation. That's for sure. Another new Patreon <laughs> question from Nikita. She's asked, if you had a time machine and could go back to any gig, what gig would you go back to? Great question. Oh, I'd go back to definitely something in the 80s. I'd like the heyday of fucking glam rock and hair metal. Like Sunset Strip, know, like 80, 82. Sunset 82. Strip. Just, yeah, just, just to see. 
I don't know which gig in particular, but it'd be circa what circa 83 to 85, 86, something like that in that proper early stage before it started getting a bit more like prior to Gunners, Guns N' Roses and shit where it became a bit more gritty, like just proper glitter glam, fucking just fruity as shit. I, I want to wear latex and high heels and just see what can happen. You want to see how big that hair can go, Dwayne? <laughs> Man, it's gone big before, but gone I want to see if it turn up even more. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, uh, another new question. Good from question, Matt. by the way. Oh, thanks, Nikita. Yeah, great uh, question. Uh, the last one of our new questions from new patron, Tom Brislane. Love you, Tom. Uh, favorite shapes flavor? Oh, it used to be barbecue. I haven't eaten shapes in forever, but it used to be barbecue. Whoa. Just because mm. you just don't eat them anymore? How do you not, how do you stop eating yeah, shapes? I've, I've, I've never been a huge snack guy. Like, so, like Red Rock Deli, salt and vinegar chips are my poison. Like I'll do a whole bag of those without question, but I'm, I've never been a huge shape guy, but with leech seed, like our old singer was a massive shapes guy. So I think he was a pizza shapes guy and we did pizza shapes and barbecue shapes. And, but cause I'm not really a snack dude, I didn't really carry on the legacy thereafter. <laughs> it died with him with me. So favorite shape <laughs> is red rock deli, salt and vinegar chips. Yeah, that's my favorite shapes. <laughs> Mic drop. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, famous last words, any quotes you like, uh, anything you would put on your tombstone? <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> Uh, no, nah, I, I, I've listened to some of the parts of like, Oh, I wish I had something witty here. Like, I feel like there'd be something good to say, but you know, coming in prepared would be disingenuous. So I prefer to just come in and just fail on this answer and not have anything for you. <laughs> nah. How about stick around Bennett? <laughs> yes. And we need to watch a bunch of Van Damme and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger movies uh, in the interim, guys. I think that's just going to make everyone feel good if they just get a constant stream of 80s action, you know? Like, it's just a simpler time, you know? I oh, know. It just hasn't been done the same way unless it's the Fast and Furious franchise for the last three movies. Oh, man. How do you feel about <laughs> Fast and Furious? You, you into them? You into all that rock action? I'm a... Yes. Mm, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. I love it. <laughs> Don't judge me, listeners. They just brought back Han from, for this nine. Do you see the trailer for nine? And like Han is just back and they've just, they're just not going to huh? explain that he died in three, came back for like five, six and seven or something. And now he's back for nine. It's like, how does that even make sense in the timeline? It's great. No, oh, mate. It doesn't need to make sense. It doesn't. It doesn't I'm, need I'm, to make sense. The, just, the, need to, just need to sell tickets to an empty theater because we can't go to it. <laughs> You can watch it on demand. <laughs> on binge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for your time today and thanks for coming on the show. No, look, it's, it's been a pleasure and thanks for just shit-talking with me and, you know, not taking it too seriously. <laughs> oh, man, and to be honest, this is just like the upside of the days now where it's like, well, I can sit around and try and make myself busy or I can do something like this that actually has some value. Am I, am I useful? I think in this moment, yes. <laughs> No, you, you definitely are. You know, it's it's always good to, you've you know, you always have good good guests on, and there's always good good conversation. I think, you know, there's for me personally, there's people that I've I've known for ages. I still get new stuff out of it. You know, so 
um, and then getting to hear new people that you have on and there's always that kind of six degrees. Yeah, exactly so, right. You were in that warm little center that's being good. like, I know that person. Yeah, exactly. Oh, how did I not meet you back then? Or, or whatever it is, whatever it may be, you know, it's like the Australian scene whilst large in distance is small in heart, but big in fire. So, you know, we stick together we look after each other or so I hope. Oh man, it's, uh, yeah, I think this is going to be the time to test it for sure. Let's hope we can. That's it, Rory. Thank, look, again, thanks for having me, mate. Um, I hope you and your friends and family are all doing well. Yeah. And we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll be uh, speaking between now and the end of lockdown. Yeah, and let's hope it can be in person at some point soon, you know, like let's hope this uh, doesn't go on forever. Definitely. I need to come out and check out the pad since it's like post video clip. I haven't seen, seen the updates. Oh yeah, I know. There's a lot less dead people in the house now than there was uh, <laughs> a year ago. Yeah, exactly. We cleaned them out. No, your, little, your, little, your, little, uh, your little room there, the sanctum looks looks wicked. Good good red lighting. Oh, good, thanks, Good energy, man. good vibe. Yeah, there's, there's a vibe yeah. going on for sure. Oh, Definitely good vibe. I'll, I'll give you a webcam tour after we stop recording. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Hey, welcome to the Post Ramble. Hope you really enjoyed that episode uh, with Dwayne. I certainly enjoyed having the conversation. It was great, and it's uh, it's it's the the stress of an ISO podcast is it as stressful when it's someone that you're good mates with. It's like, oh yeah, sweet, it'll be okay. Whereas like, if you're like interviewing someone you don't know very well via Zoom, it's like you just really gotta like be more not yourself. You know, you gotta be a bit more like your email voice, <laughs> or whatever whatever that part of your personality is. We just, it's, everything's a little bit more like rigid. Um, and uh, it was really nice to be very loosey-goosey with Dwayne. Um, and I was super stoked about uh, that new Lucifer clip. God, it's fucking cool. I also wanted to talk about the holiday for Cambodia event that happened on the internet, which would have been, if you listen to this now, it was on Saturday. So we talk about it in the show a little bit and it's a bit that we're doing like a Doctor Who time jump around where we recorded the episode before it happened. Now I'm doing the post ramble after it's come out and we, hopefully you've all seen it as well. Lots of listeners of the show were involved in, you know, talking about it on social media and jumping in the comments and stuff, which I really enjoyed. That was very nice to see people that uh, I've made friends through this show being a part of that show as well which was like oh fun everyone's here you know <laughs> it felt like a felt like a real social gathering which was uh which was great in isolation because i haven't felt like that you know what i mean like it was weird to drink and have a good time and watch stuff on the internet and but it'd be like oh man this is super fun it like kind of works and you know thanks to the fantastic work of joel taylor mixing and and cutting all that event together like it really felt like a thing you know Really, it was great. It was. I was like, oh, I can actually get down with this. You know, it's like live, live gig YouTube's. Cool times, man. We can figure out if anyone's got any footage of gigs, you know, <laughs> and all the audio stuff recorded, like the desk audio. Let's try and figure something out. Um, yeah, but great times. All right, and also I want to do a big shout out to all the new patrons. There's a bunch of new patrons that have popped in. Don't know if I've mentioned them all since the last episode we talked about patrons, but like. Nikita, Tom, Mika, Dwayne is now a patron as well, which is awesome. All of these people jumping on board. Thank you so much. Thank you for your uh, support of the show. It's great. It's really cool. So thank you, all new patrons, and thank you for uh, adding your questions that add to the mythology of the show. 
Lightning round's getting too long though. We got to figure out something to do with that. Maybe we it's gonna have to like cut it down to ten questions or something. I don't know. I knew I wanted to do all of them this one last time with Dwayne because like he had a hand in so many of those questions. So it was just gonna be fun to get all of his answers, especially because he's someone who listens to the show. So it's like he's probably thought about them, you know. Um, but yeah, it's time. It's time for us to cull them down. They're gonna have to like uh, get down to like maybe ten. 10 key ones, maybe put some at the start, some at the end. I don't know, I haven't really thought about it yet. We'll figure it out soon and we'll, we'll do it. Maybe we could do it together. <laughs> we'll figure it out together. I like the new lightning round at the start with these kind of key questions that'll give insight to the guest. That way we can get to the meat of the podcast quicker, you know, um, if that's something that you guys enjoy, because I certainly do. I feel like it's like, once you get the idea, it's like, oh yeah, offspring, new metal, something, whatever. Yeah, let's get into the thing that I want to know. You know, I think that's how I want to do as well. And then it keeps the guests from like, you know, having to have to talk to me for like three hours, you know, <laughs> only if they want to. Um, but yeah, so we'll figure something out about that as well as the show evolves and the show's evolving right now. Like I'm recording this directly into my computer using a little box thing, you know, <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. What do you call them? Band people, you know, the thing where like, you put your guitar lead in and then it goes straight and records I think I switch it, but it feels very Joe Rogan in here. I'm, I'm lit by a salt rock lamp and a John Wick action figure next to it. And then I'm just talking into a little armed jib microphone thing right now. feels pretty cool. feels like, a, you know, progress. And it's always nice to feel like... Yeah, it's always nice to feel like you're getting a little bit better every day, you know. And in COVID times, it's a weird thing where it's like, well, how do you judge or mark improvement but it's like oh hello message um it's like uh yeah how do you how do you track progress i think if you could just get better every day a little bit better every day and it's nice it's nice to feel that way and it's a, it's wise words to live by wise words handed down to me so it's like let's all do that let's just make every day one percent better than the last day you know if you're improving something like for me this show trying to make the show better trying to make it tighter trying to make it more enjoyable for people so I hope you guys are enjoying the show. Uh, I really appreciate the patron support. You can also jump on the patron if you'd like as well. You can follow the link in the show notes. Also go into the show notes to look at the YouTube playlist because there is more new metal in there and it's great. And you can look at all the electric dynamite clips and uh, you can also, I'm trying to plug it myself because I'm in I'm a cameo in one and I'm a big, stupid, gross part of another one. So watch them and uh, it'll fill my ego with joy to know that you watch them and watch me be a fucking make an idiot out of myself but really enjoy it um why else would i do this podcast if i wouldn't be willing to do that let's be honest anyways thanks for listening guys and uh, i'll see you guys very soon for the next one cheers